Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got the mastermind behind quarantine himself, Jerry Ying, coming on the show today. Yes, that's really exciting, man. This guy has just got his stuff together. Yeah. Very inspiring for us, the way he, he kind of started out the same way we are now. Yeah. Working with a couple of buddies and building up to where he's at now. So that was really inspiring. And then, of course, I mean, to hear how quarantine all came together. Exactly. That's such a good interview, man. I know, I know. I'm so excited for everybody to hear this one. Everybody knows we've been on the quarantine kick. And you still got uh, a week after this one, right? Because yeah. Jeremy Gordon coming on right. uh, to also talk about it. So this one and the next one, and the, that's it, guys. That's it. So get your quarantine fill right here on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. But that is that interview is later on in the show. Now let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 117 this week. No, we're not. Yes, we are. 117. Absolutely wild. Woo! Absolutely bonkers, as we say. But <laughs> yes. man, it, it really does not feel like it's been this long. It and does not. We're so fortunate, though. Like, 17 weeks past the big 100. Yeah. I know I keep saying that, but think about that, man. That's more than two months ago that we hit the 100. I know. We're just I know. Flying by. Well, man. freaking, uh, we shared old uh, Michael O'Neill's interview the other day. Yeah. And freaking, that was 107. <laughs> right. Like, 10 weeks ago. Exactly. Like a month and a half ago when we talked to Michael. Like, Absolutely wild, what? man. Time is flying by when you're getting crazy and having fun. But it's, that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's just we're having fun. Oh, I mean, but it, it's so fun. It's so fun. And you know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Yes, buddy. Oh, my goodness. We got a whole bunch to talk about. Uh, we're talking about Warner Brothers more than Disney oh this week. Oh, my gosh, man. Warner Brothers had just like so much news. Yeah. And we're excited, though, because it was almost all DC related. Yeah. They're finally... How many times have we said, get your shit together? It looks like somebody there is finally getting their they shit like, together. They must be listening. They must be. Uh, exactly. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. They're saying, fuck, those crazy ant guys need us to get our shit together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just contact us, man. That's we'll right. figure out ways to help you out. That's right. They're like, they're always saying bigger than the mouse, but fuck, man, they're going to be bigger than the bunny. We don't get our shit together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we're talking award season as well. We're talking talking about the Oscars and the Emmys and BAFTA like just so there's a lot there's BAFTA. a lot man um but it's gonna be fun it I is. hope you guys are ready I hope you have fastened your seat belts and are ready for this crazy ass ride it's true we got to start with a little sad news though just real quick Sir Ian Holm you might know him better as Bilbo Baggins from all of the uh, Lord of the Rings films he was alien uh passed away uh, lost his fight to Parkinson's disease. Yeah. He's been having a long battle with that. So um, just thoughts and prayers with his family and, and best wishes. And uh, that's, a, that's a big loss for the acting community. Yeah, right? it really is. It really is. And then, I mean, some other just uh, news that we got to talk about. We have about. a new douchebag to talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I remember us talking about Danny Masterson like mm. way back, about a year and a half ago, it feels like, yeah. about uh, the allegations of rape. Well, guess what? He is now being charged with uh, three separate counts of rape with three different women yep. between 2001-2003 uh, Masterson who is 44 was charged with three counts of rape faces up to 45 years 
in prison yeah. if convicted. Officially arrested, guys. Yeah. He has officially been arrested by the LAPD and charged with this thing. What, his arraignment set for September 18th? Uh, I'm guessing he got out $3.3 million bail. I mean, you know, yeah. he's, he's got some money, yeah. so, he, so he got out. But uh, this is... This is not good. I mean, this has been, like you said, going on forever. Like four yeah. years, I think, is when it first popped up. And he's been denying it, you know, and say, oh, it's just, it's not true. And But it, it would not go away. And and apparently now they feel like they've got enough evidence I on know. it, man. I know. I, I, honestly, if it's true, I hope he does get locked up and get the maximum. Because yeah. I fucking, we were talking about, you know, I mean, obviously not the same situation, but still, shady people, Lori Laughlin and Becky there. I mean, <laughs> fucking, she's supposed to get, like, around the same amount of years. But yeah. since she's famous and has money, she's getting, like, what, two, four months, something like yeah, that? Yeah, because she made that plea deal. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, I don't give a shit how famous you are. You cannot plea deal out of rape. No. Okay? No. It, no. No. And boy, don't you wish I saw that little story. <laughs> it's kind of tied in late, you know. I saw that little story just real quick with Gandolfini before he passed away yeah. saying he got so mad one time he was going to kick the shit out of Harvey. Don't you wish that would have – who didn't want to see Tony Soprano kick the shit out of Harvey Weinstein, right? man? Like, that would have been so good. Freaking wish, man. Oh, freaking wish. But, I mean, this is developing as we speak, so we'll be sure to keep an eye on it and Definitely. tell you uh, what happens more. But on to some positive news. Before that, uh, be sure to visit our website crazyamedia.com yes. because <laughs> we hopped right into the sadness we did. but we i mean we love lord of the rings it's so true. i mean it's, it's true it was worth the mention uh but be, be sure to visit crazyamedia.com for our merchandise all the great latest and greatest stuff there it's amazing he you doesn't skip know. a beat Just yeah like, psh, right back and now we're beating back exactly right. exactly right. now it's time for some oscar talk everybody we talked about it a couple weeks ago what's going to happen what's going to happen with covid19 is it going to affect the oscars and Yes. Yes. The answer to your question is yes. Yeah. Uh, the Academy Board of Governors has voted to delay the upcoming Oscar ceremony, which was originally set for February 28th. You know, it's always set in February. Yep. Uh, to April 25th of 2021. Uh, this will allow the window of the competition to extend a little bit, uh, yep. making the field of entries even bigger. Uh, usually a film debuted before December 31st in uh, a given quality qualifying year of the academy awards uh but now in this upcoming ceremony the window will be extended to 2021 yeah so into i mean, february yeah like so anything that came out this past january all the way to this coming february will qualify for the oscars yeah. next year that is so crazy to me it's absolutely but, wild uh, but it makes sense because we we talked about this on the show you know every week it seems like for the past few weeks like what movies would there have been? Yeah, like to qualify. Like, like you know, now, at least there's going to be a chance to release your your normal Oscar films as yeah. opposed to all your tent poles. Because we know the tent poles are coming at the end of the year. So exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be. I thought this was interesting. This is the only the third time apparently that the Oscars have ever been delayed. Yeah. Uh the fourth time. I'm sorry. Uh the first three times were in 1938 after the massive flooding in L.A. 
1968, after the assassination of Martin Luther King, and in, on the assassination attempt of Ronald Reagan in 1981, the only other three times that they have ever yeah. decided to move it. Guys, it's been around forever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. They've only moved it three times. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean it's just absolutely insane. I mean, we were talking about um, since all the superhero films are coming out normally when it is Oscar season, now they got to extend that window to get the artsy films out yeah. there. So it makes sense, man. It makes sense. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting year. And uh, didn't they uh, – oh, wait, we talked about this last week where they uh, made the – the nominations bigger, yeah, yeah, uh, ten now. It's like yeah. ten, and so it, it is. But I like all these changes, though. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And you know, we we say this all the time, but it, it's just not going to be the same after this whole COVID thing is over. I don't no. think we're ever going to go back to the way it was. So it's going to be interesting to see if these changes stay. If they change them again, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, BAFTA. Yeah, this makes sense though because anytime the yeah. uh, the Oscars do it, everybody follows suit, right? Yeah. So the British Academy Award, uh, BAFTA, they've also got moved theirs. Uh, the dates, right? Uh, April eleventh, like two weeks before the Oscars. Yeah. So trying to keep it in the same like literally award season, they want to keep it all together. It yes. makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. Uh, it's just a crazy time, man. We're just rolling with the punches, and I mean, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, everybody deserves to get their films shown so they can possibly qualify. Absolutely. So it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Now, heading over to the mouse. Yes. Oh, my goodness. A little bit of Disney news. Yes, a little bit. A little bit. Disney is rumored to, to be developing a slate of Star Wars TV shows yes. that will all be interconnected, guys. What does that sound like? Sounds like Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Well, and remember, we've talked about this Kevin Feige is doing some Star Wars stuff now. So it only makes sense that if the guy has entered into the Star Wars world, they would they would do yeah. a lot of Marvel stuff, right? Exactly. I mean, so this is really cool though. I guess they're going to start debuting like a new series every every quarter. Yeah. So like every three months, there's going to be a new Star Wars series and they're all going to interlock and tie in. So we've already got the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. That means these new, these new series will tie into what's already happened in the Mandalorian, which is badass. Yes. And then we've got the Ahsoka Tano show, the Boba Fett show, uh, the Admiral Thrawn show. So apparently all those are going to be interweaved together. And then maybe all show up together yeah. in a show because that's yeah that's what they're kind of talking about. Super exciting. Also, uh, the rumor is is that Dave Filoni is going to be the mastermind behind it all. Yeah, like that's epic. Yeah, it I absolutely mean, is. This guy is absolutely in love with the story of Star Wars. Seriously, Just everything about it. If you guys are not watching that Mandalorian docu series on Disney Plus right now, stop what you're doing. Well, after the show. Stop right. what you're doing after listening to the rest of the show and go watch this thing. It's honestly amazing to see his, specifically him and his passion about George Lucas's story and just wanting to make it right to the man himself's vision. So, I mean, honestly, if he didn't want to be a creator anymore, I could see him heading up Star Wars. Oh, de definitely. Like taking over Lucasfilm? Yeah. Yeah, this guy... 
it's it it makes total sense that he's going to be behind intertwining it all because he literally knows all of it like the whole hit i've never seen he's like a walking encyclopedia of star wars yeah this guy knows everything so it only makes sense that this would be the guy to weave it all together yeah i mean just brilliant yeah and i mean one of my favorite parts in the interview process for the mandalorian docuseries is when he made connections from the original franchise to the prequels and then to uh the rise of skywalker like it was insane how he just referenced all of this stuff like at a drop of a pin yeah it was amazing yeah well and then when he's referencing the good the bad the ugly and clint eastwood movies and stuff on how the where the whole idea of star wars even came from like space western but it was all literally based on like samurai and western movies yeah and the way he tells it is just like crazy awesome yes oh my goodness and this next one we're so super excited yes. about everybody knows we're a huge fan of michael keaton the one and only um one of the perfect batman yes um, in my opinion and his opinion yes uh christian bell it's fine it's fine uh he will star and executive produce dope sick an eight episode limited series exploring the opioid crisis and based on a best-selling book by beth macy and here's the exciting part guys. yes uh empire co-creator and interviewee that we've had on the show our buddy danny strong is on board to pin the scripts and serve as the showrunner yeah and if that wasn't enough barry levinson rain man barry levinson yes. is gonna direct yes now if that doesn't sound like an epic fucking trio for a show i don't know what else i know I mean, right you know <laughs> it's gonna be so excited to see danny strong showrunning that shit though yeah like i mean this guy has got to be one of the most talented guys in hollywood right now as far as the writing directing yeah i, I just everything acting he's so good on billions yeah. right now he's just so damn good so, so good it's and, super excited and that. then uh warren littlefield uh this is a part of his uh overall deal with fox 21 so he will also be on to and that's the handmaid's tale guy right yep. so yeah so uh, like i said it's built for success exactly clearly exactly clearly. stay tuned for that one we will like i know you're excited about i am <laughs> I couldn't obviously it. <laughs> finally you've heard me say it like three four weeks in a row a month in a row abc save for life they did. They did. For Life is coming back. Season 2, 50 Cent's drama on there about prison life, a man wrongfully accused. I'm so – Nicholas Pinook, Joy Bryant. Oh, my God. The cast is so brilliant. Yes, ABC. Go you. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they uh, have I their just... shit together. They have their <laughs> shit together. They do. Oh, my goodness. And But this next one, The Baker and the Beauty. I believe this was uh, the baking competition that was on Disney+. Plus. It was served as one of their original shows. No. Uh, no? No. Oh. But that it probably would have survived. It sounded right. This like, was like about some foreign beauty queen who comes over and marries a baker. Oh, on yeah. Hulu. On Hulu. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. They're like, yeah, see? And there's a reason that's probably been canceled. Right there. Right there. <laughs> You thought it was a Baker competition <laughs> series? It's not. It should have been. It should have been. Maybe it would have survived. Exactly. I don't, I don't but yeah, know. canceled after season one. Trying to figure some shit out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Ooh, this next one. We're so super excited because we we love this dude. He's awesome interviewer and just everything about him. Amazing dope guy. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel live will shift to guest host uh, this summer as Kimmel takes some time off from the show. Uh, Kimmel said in a statement that there's nothing wrong. He's healthy. His family's healthy, but nearly 18 years. And get this, 3,130 episodes. He needs a breather and take a little break. Although no specific names have been announced to guest host, 
But uh, that will start Monday, July 6th. And we're excited about that because he deserves a break. He does. This guy needs to – He works to, a like, lot. He does, man. He, he's like constantly out there doing stuff. And why does he need a break? Why are we excited he's taking a break? Because he's coming back to host the 72nd Annual Emmy Awards. Yes. So he he needs some rest to be able exactly. to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, right? Exactly. This is going to be his third time, guys, hosting the Emmys. Uh, following the 64th event in 2012, 68th in 2016, uh, the primetime Emmy telecast will take place as planned on Sunday, September 20th yeah. at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So much better than Ricky Jarvis. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. He sucked. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, look, it looks like the Television Academy is taking suit from from the Film Academy. They're changing rules too, right? They are. They are trying to extend uh, extend the nominations. It's now going to eight nominations for comedy and drama mm. series. Uh, the categories will have eight nominations each, regardless of the number of submissions received. So I mean it's it's absolutely insane I guess how many submissions for television shows uh get submitted for these things and then only like a certain amount gets nominated like for example 20 to 80 submissions you only get five nominations right uh 161 to 240 submissions you're only gonna get seven nominations which is insane but with so much things on television streaming network cable all that good stuff so with like 240 plus submissions it's gonna be eight nominations you know what i always have a question now that they're expanding this they're doing a little bit more for the dramas and the comedies what about dramedies exactly where does that fall could this mean now that you could see a show get a nomination as a comedy and another nomination as as a a drama drama? because that's what dramedy is exactly i I feel like you know and then they is that fair that gives them an extra opportunity maybe if you will to win something yeah like so I don't know. We love dramedy. Yes. I'm just saying, you know, but you should recognize it as what it is. Drama and comedy. Just throwing that out there if you want to put it in both. You know, like you said, submit. Submit yourself as a comedy and as a drama. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You know, just you might get both. Exactly. Uh, Who knows? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, the next one, uh, a guy that we love to bag on, but he's actually a pretty brilliant person. But not the mastermind behind the brilliance of now the superhero genre fandom. No, he's not. That article. I just had to say that. That Just had to say. Uh, But James Cameron (laughs) officially, they have restarted uh, Avatar, the filming for the second one. Uh, It is back in production. The Avatar sequel. Are officially back after three months of you know this have been suspended because yep. of the coronavirus. Uh, producer John Lindu uh, took to social media to share a first look at the director James Cameron uh, resuming filming of the Avatar. I guess uh, Avatar three is completely done, like done shooting anyway. Right. They just need to put it all together and post, but they're still just working on Avatar two, the right. underwater sequences. Because they remember, guys, they shot them back to back. Yeah. So and you never shoot a film in order never say never Never sometimes you do but general practice you don't shoot in order so that's why three could be finished before two is finished even though it's shooting them back to back um but yeah that's you know yeah i'm excited to see if he puts his money where his mouth is because you know he's trying to be like oh we we came up with our own universe first and i'm like and i'm just okay let's see let's see what your sequel has you're not gonna take down the record holder you're not i I don't think so i think the fascination for avatar is over bro 
bro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people will go see it. I just oh, don't yeah. think it's going to have the draw that the first one did. No. Because everybody's doing that kind of technology now. So, And sorry, but we've seen the underwater badassery with Aquaman. Aquaman. James Wan was there just first. Just saying. Just saying. James Wan was there first. And speaking, speaking of, of <laughs> Warner Media and Warner Brothers and DC and yes. all this epic fandom craziness, uh, Warner Brothers has unveiled a virtual fan experience for August 22nd, dubbed DC Fandom. Yes. Uh, featuring the cast and creators of key properties, including Wonder Woman 84, Aquaman, The Batman, and the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Yeah, this is their answer to Comic-Con. Remember, Comic-Con is doing the big online free virtual thing that everybody gets to go to this year. And remember, we told you last week, DC is skipping that. And this is why. They're doing their own kind of like, you know, big, huge fandom event. And they're going to have panels. They're going to have, you know, they're going to be showing footage and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Frodo, what it looks like, it's going to be literally... All of their properties. Yeah, like <laughs> like literally. I mean, uh, and even Pennyworth. Yeah. Did, does anybody even have the network that Pennyworth airs on? Like, I, I don't even know. No I want to watch that show so bad, but I can't <laughs> find it anywhere. Um, but yeah, Stargirl, like like the DC Universe shows, the the Arrowverse shows, the movies. Yeah. Like everything. All of it. it. It's gonna be badass intertwined like crazy and i mean it's basically just going to be the same as what they were doing at comic-con like you said but i'm super excited especially if it's going to be free so exactly (laughs) and that's the good news because unfortunately they're probably gonna have to deal with or because fans are going to be asking they moved wonder woman again 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 sadly I know. Wait, October now. Yep. From August 14th to October 2nd. I know. Just trying to find that prime right spot. It's what like, you were talking about. The tentpole movies going to the end of the year. Yeah. You know, normally where you see the dramas line up for Oscars, it's yep. going to be tentpole superhero movies. Exactly. So. And then it also shifted uh, Tenet, which was supposed to be the first huge movie back in movie theaters yep. after the pandemic. Uh, you know, that was supposed to be at July 17th. Now it is July 31st. So just a couple weeks, but still, it's not cool. And even more so, because we've been talking about this, is Tenet a sequel or set in the same world as Inception? And this just throws more on that rumor. On the 17th, you're still going to get some Christopher Nolan because they're going to do the 10-year anniversary of Inception. Exactly. They're going to show that on the 17th and then roll out Tenet. So exactly. even more so, throwing shit on that rumor fire, is this thing related? Exactly. Boy, they sure seem so. Well, and if it is... More credit to uh, Christopher Nolan. That's why I like you because you're not a overconfident asshole like uh, James Cameron. Because no, no. Yeah, even if it is the same universe, you're not like, oh, we created same universe. Exactly. It's like, go you, Christopher Nolan. I bet. I bet. Christopher Nolan would come have a sandwich with you at McAllister's. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> Cameron will not. No. We, he's tried and tried and tried, but I bet Christopher Nolan will. Yeah, Cameron, Spielberg, they're in that category of, oh, we're better than everyone That's else. right, that's right. So do, do, do you have HBO Go, Max? Yeah. Uh, lot now? Maybe. Lot, um, are you, you don't know? Are you don't know? Uh, then neither do we. <laughs> and, and neither does Warner Brothers, so no. now they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, they they're have trying to clean so that much up. shit, man. They have so many like <laughs> random-ass streaming services, websites that all deal with their content. I mean, Warner Media has followed through on plans to end its streaming app yes. uh, for paid TV subscribers, HBO Go. HBO Go, which launched in 2010, will be removed from primary distribution platforms on July 31st, but some 
online access will continue a few weeks after that. The unplugging of Go is only in the U.S. and uh, internationally. In the U.S. US and internationally, okay. Um, and it will continue to operate, at least for now. The company has also rebranded its standalone service, HBO Now. To just HBO. Which still doesn't make sense to me because HBO, just just HBO, is included in HBO Max. Yeah. So why do you need formally HBO now, just HBO, if you have HBO Max? That 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 is see it's still confusing. Yeah, are our fans confused? Because we are. So I, I don't know what's going on, HBO. Get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, and they even say that. The former HBO Now will still be offered to anyone interested in getting just HBO and not HBO Max. Why would you do that? If HBO is included with HBO Max, why would you say, nah, I just want HBO. I don't want all that other stuff on Max. What? I know. Because you're, you're – what, what's the difference? Like a buck? I know. Like just get all the other stuff. It's Cartoon Network, TCM, you know, all all that shit that's all owned. They're all on Max. Exactly. For like a buck or two more. Just – what? I know. All right, yeah, just, yeah. Just say HBO Max. Just get HBO Max. It covers all of it. Exactly. It covers all of they're, it. They're just trying to figure shit out, man. They really are. I mean we talked about uh, last week or a couple weeks ago the selling off the gaming division but still making kind of a profit on it. And I feel like they have so much stuff they're just juggling right now but – they don't know what they want to keep and what they don't. They so. don't. But they do know this because they listen to our show and they have finally got their shit together. You just heard about DC fandom, right? Yes. They now seriously are figuring out the importance of their DC properties. Mm. So much so that how do you promote HBO Max? With your DC properties. Yes. DC and HBO Max are joining forces to the max. That's going to be an original digital comic book that – are you ready? will promote HBO Max. Yeah, buddy. It's going to have original characters. It's three eight-page chapters. And are you ready? This is so, like, creative and kind of like, oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) They're going to have original characters named Hector, Brian, and Olivia. H-B-O. Ha-ha. (laughs) Ha-ha. <laughs> so, and according to the press release, it says uh, the series has the meeting Max the dog. So you have H, B, and O, and then you got Max. Yeah. HBO Max. Um, whereupon they gain access to different superpowers. They're able to teleport, shape ship, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then they're just going to use that to promote stuff coming up on yeah. HBO Max. <laughs> Okay. They're, they're so like they're trying so much shit. I'll give them credit for that. They're trying so much shit, but at least they're they've been listening, obviously. Yes. Focus on your superhero stuff. I mean, the prequels to Harry Potter aren't what the, you want them to be, obviously. I mean, I don't know how far you're gonna go with that. So and I mean plus the whole thing with JK Rowling <laughs> yeah. right now. I mean, eh, do you wanna go further with that? Exactly. So it is what it is. But at least they're getting their shit together. Kind but. of. But trying. That's not it for DC. It's not. That's not it for DC. Exactly. Spotify has signed a deal with Warner Media for DC Entertainment to produce scripted podcasts. Yes. For Spotify. This is awesome because if you guys know, Marvel's been doing this for a while, and those scripted podcasts are like badass. Yeah. So they're gonna steal. They're gonna. Uh, the deal gives Spotify first look rights to the original podcast, and then after a period of time, they'll be out there. So I guess. Um. But it's gonna be like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, Joker, the Justice League, 
all that fantastic stuff. So we might get like Justice League. Imagine if Zack Snyder's involved in doing a scripted <laughs> Justice League podcast. That'd be badass. Oh my god, that'd be epic. The question begs, will the stars voice them? Right. We don't know. I mean, in the Marvel side, they do not. It's yeah. different actors and everything. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, but it's also going to be Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes podcasts, which is awesome. And we're excited about this one. Supernatural. Yes. The boys might be finishing up on TV. Yes. But Supernatural will continue, Supernatural family in the form of scripted podcasts. So badass. I'm excited about that, exactly. though. Because there's so much more story to tell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, it's only smart, too, because, I'm, of course, like we've been talking about, DC is probably your biggest franchise right now. It's go, true. Go forward with that. But stay true to your roots with Looney Tunes and, like, Supernatural and stuff like that. So proud of you, Warner Brothers. Yes. Kind of working it out. That's what's up, Doc. Exactly. You're doing it. That's what's you're up, You're doing Doc. it. We were about to pull out the old space modulator and, like, take you down, but Zap you're getting it together. Like... You're getting it together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Speaking of, they've got more stuff, They right? do, they do. HBO Max has won a spec auction for The Ancestor, a psychological thriller script uh, by K. Oigon. Um, that, <laughs> that was pretty good. That, that was pretty really good. I mean, you know, you All know. Right. <laughs> uh, that will be developed as a star vehicle for uh, Tika Sumter, produced by Michael B. Jordan and Elena Mayo's Outlier Society. Uh, several suitors were in the mix for this spec script, um, but they ended up at uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah. So, uh, look, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Michael B., he, he is handling business behind the camera. Yeah. His company, he is he is grabbing the rights to a shit ton of stuff. He is producing a shit ton. He has, like, this mission, and he mentioned it, like, very similar to Mark Wahlberg, where this guy wants to just create his entire own empire, yeah. his own studio where it's all in-house. He, get, he gets the rights. He brings in the writers. He produces. He stars. He does, like – and he uh, clearly this man is on his way. And rightfully so. This guy's talented as fuck. Exactly. I mean, Michael B., come on the show, man. I know, come on right? the show. I know. And uh, more exciting news. Spike Lee directed film version of David Brain's uh, American Utopia uh, to premiere on HBO. The announcement was made on Tuesday by HBO's executive uh, VP of programming, Nina Rosenstein. Uh, uh, American Utopia is a uniquely transparent formative experience and a perfect example of how entertainment brings us closer together in these challenging times. Uh, Spike's brilliant direction adds level of intimacy to this powerful performance, and we are so thrilled to share this groundbreaking show with the audience. I mean, enough said. Enough said right there. I mean, David Byrne and Spike Lee, that that is merging entertainment in tough times. Exactly. I, mean, I think it's going to work. Like we said, Warner Brothers is just, they're taking risks now, you know, I feel like they got so safe for a little while, but now they're taking risks. They're getting out there. They're grabbing up properties, and I think that's a smart move, man. Exactly. This next one move. I also think is really smart. Uh, Arthur Ashey, is that is that his name? Arthur Ashe, yeah. Arthur Ashe. The uh, biopic about him, the tennis champion and civil rights activist, is in development. Uh, the biopic about the Wimbledon tennis champion and African-American civil rights activist is yeah. in the works. Uh 
with a Hyde Park Entertainment Group and Warner uh, Music Group. The Academy Award winner Kevin Wilmot, uh, who credits whose credits include Black Klansman and Duff Five Blood, so really Spike Lee guy, yeah. uh, will write the screenplay and which will have full support of the guy's estate. So yeah, that's amazing. I mean, if you're a tennis fan, you obviously know he he was the first black man to win all of the majors. You know, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, the Australian Open. He was the first black man to be ranked number one in the world. Um, this guy's a badass. Arthur Ashe Stadium. Every time you watch the U.S. Open in the that big ass awesome stadium that they play the main events on, Arthur Ashe Stadium. That's him. That's Arthur Ashe. Uh, he's a badass guy, and and you know he did a lot of stuff. During a really rough time in this country's history, he was making most of his moves during the civil rights movement and the assassination of MLK and, and like all the stuff. So I think this is going to be a brilliant movie. I'm excited for it. I think so too. I think so too, especially in the times we're in right now with uh, the riots and everything and the activism. So I, this is really powerful and go Warner Brothers and Warner Music Group for putting this together and putting it out there because I think people need to see it. I, and I want it's going to be a nice companion piece to the uh, Serena and, and – and Venus film yeah. that they're doing also. So yeah. uh, good for them, man. Exactly, exactly. And Viacom CBS is doing some cool things. Uh, for the first time in its 20-year history, guys, the BET Awards will make its uh, a national broadcast premiere on CBS yep. on Sunday, June 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pacific Time, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Yep. Uh, so that that's going to be awesome. It's going to simulcast uh, live across Viacom. Com CBS networks, including BT and BT Her. Yeah, and I mean, because that before that's the only place you could ever see it. Yeah, you know. So now that CBS making the move to CBS, so that's badass. Exactly. I can't believe that's the first time it's happened in twenty years. Yeah. I just feel like there's been so many significant times in over the past twenty years. That move should have been made. I agree. But maybe it was a whole before the merger thing. Maybe I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, it took this long. But it's the right move. Congratulations, Viacom CBS. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, Showtime is also doing some amazing things. Yes. They have announced its miniseries, The Comey Rule. Yes. Uh, will air over two nights in late November, the miniseries is based off of Comey's best-selling book, A Higher Loyalty. Uh, the two-part, four-hour event series will take place, uh, will take viewers on an inside journey down the corridors of power. Oh, that's intense. Super excited about <laughs> this one. So you know why? Because... Another of our guests and good friends, Billy Ray. Yes. He is the writer and director of this. Spencer Garrett is going to be in this. Yes. Uh, so we've got a lot of crazy ant family that are that are attached and involved in this, and we're super excited about this. And, um, uh, yeah, whew, this is going to be a good one. They released the first picture of uh, Trump. And oh, boy, I mean, it looks badass. Yeah. They, they nailed him. This is going to be really good. So excited, man. So excited. And they also uh, struck a deal with the worldwide licensors of the Smurfs. The Smurfs! They're yes. coming back. Yes. Uh, they're going to launch a new animated series and manage consumer products licensing for the property across the U.S., Canada, Mexico, the United Kingdom, Singapore, and Malaysia. Uh, the company intends to seek a new product line tied to the new series. That means new toys. Yeah. New uh, toys. Toys. You'll probably see a Smurf Funko up here soon. You know. I'm just saying. You know, toys, uh, stationary apparel to accessories, uh, home consumer packaging 
goods, all planned to launch in retail of 2022. It's going to be badass, but get ready for it. Because I was a huge fan of the Smurfs cartoon, and you may or may not hear me constantly singing la 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 la. Little fun story, just a little tidbit. I used to draw the Smurfs, like pictures of the Smurfs for my babysitter that I had like the biggest crush on because she liked the Smurfs. And I was like, oh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Just a little piece of getting to know me, okay? I used to draw the Smurfs for a hottie babysitter, okay? All right, it's okay. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Now head the eighties, man. Yeah, exactly. The eighties. Oh my goodness! Uh, the NBC <laughs> Universal. Uh, everybody loves Jurassic World. This new telling of Jurassic Park. Uh, is aiming for its first major production in the UK to get things going on the upcoming Jurassic World sequel, directed by Colin Trevorrow. Uh, Has a sizable cast and crew to keep safe, but Universal believes that it has the resources resources and plans necessary to do just that to keep everyone safe universal and pinewood studios are putting safety uh, protocols in place in order to begin shooting of the new jurassic world movie on july 6th and uh, they will reportedly be spending around five million dollars to put all these safety procedures and protocols in place yeah, well, I mean, that's taking it seriously. Yeah, right. If you're, like, you're dropping five million to make sure that the safety protocols are in place, you're taking it seriously. That's insane. I can't believe this one's jumping out though and beating like the Batman and like yeah. you know all these other huge films that were supposedly supposed to go back into production over there. Jurassic World's going to be first. Yeah, like so you know, um, yeah. good though because if they can do it and they can prove it's safe. Yeah, then the maybe the Batman can get back to it. Right. I mean, you know, I'm excited because Zoe Kravitz was talking about her costume, and it's kind of like a like his more utilitarian, which yeah. is like a jean jacket yeah. and jeans, kind of a Catwoman costume and stuff. I'm really excited about that movie. So Jurassic World needs to get their shit together, make it good, so that Batman can start again. <laughs> exactly. Just, that's all. Exactly. I'm you are setting a precedent. <laughs> uh, and next, uh, Thirty Rock. Everybody's a huge fan of this show. It's returning to NBC next month for a new original. Remotely produced event that will also double as an upfront special for NBC Universal properties. Yeah, that's, so it's kind of going to be like the HBO uh, Max cart DC superhero cartoon thing. They're going to use 30 Rock's new episode to promote all of the new shows coming yeah. out on NBC. Yeah. That's what? pretty cool. Uh, that's it pretty is. Cool. It I is. mean, use your popular properties, I guess. I mean, especially... In my opinion, that uh, in comedy at least, that was probably their last big one, because I mean they're just killing it with drama right That's now. True. Council of Dads, and this is us, and so many other great things. Uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Exactly. Uh, so, I <laughs> Wait, mean, what do we say? If you want to cry, NBC's NBC is the place for you. <laughs> but they do do comedies. You're right. They, they did do. do. Yeah. So I mean that'll be pretty cool. And I mean you got some people coming back. You got like Tina Fey. You got Baldwin. You got Tracy Morgan. Yep. Like you got basically all the biggies. So that's exciting, and uh, that will be available on uh, the Peacock Friday, July 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, so, and I guess it's going to rebroadcast across all of uh, NBC's channels, you know, after yeah. it airs. So, commercial free, by the way, so that's cool. Yeah. Dun dun. Dun 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 dun. You remember, we told you Elliot's coming back, SVU yes. fans. Elliot's coming back. Now we know when. The fall. Yes. Even though the whole COVID thing said shut down, everybody, NBC announced that they are confident and they guarantee 
the new Law & Order spinoff will be on the air in the fall. They are going to make yes. that happen, along with This Is Us. Yeah. So Super excited for that one. Super excited for that one. I mean, NBC is also doing amazing things. Uh, re Renewed Manifest for its third mm-hmm. season. Yep. I Emily's know. super stoked. Yeah, super stoked. Uh, that also confirmed that Sunnyside, Bluff City Law, and In Depth have all been canceled Aww. after a single season. I really liked Bluff City Law. That's what you said. I mean, Caitlin McGee and, and Jimmy Smith's. Sorry. And I mean, I'm if sorry. they're looking for original content for their streaming services, boom. Right I know. There. That, there was a long rumor that it was going to show up on the Peacock, that they were going to take it off network, put it on Peacock. That didn't happen. I'm hoping the creators of this show will reach out to maybe like Netflix, who's making a strong initiative into this type of programming, and maybe let's do a Save Lucifer type campaign and yeah. Save Bluff City. Let's get it on Netflix, man. Yeah. That'd exactly. be awesome. Exactly. Oh, you called this one like first fucking episode. <laughs> I did. Uh, Nick Jonas <laughs> is vacating his role as a judge on The Voice after only one season. Yep. Uh, Gwen Stefani is returning uh, for her fifth season. Um, maybe it was because of ratings. I mean, last season didn't have good ratings. It's but true. I liked him as a judge. I, I did too. I, and I think this whole story is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I swear. I'm just, it's true. That's true. No, I think you're right though. I think the people liked the back and forth flirting between Gwen and Blake. Yeah. And while Nick was awesome and I really thought he did a good job as a judge and gave great advice and was a good mentor, he wasn't flirting with Blake. God damn it, America. <laughs> <laughs> so they want to see Gwen and Blake. I, I exactly. guess that's what it is. Man. Exactly. And they didn't have the bromance of Adam and fucking. No, yeah, so, no, it's okay. just not, you know. Whatever. <sighs> I know. It sucks. They should do like special guests. It's special true. Special guest judges and Nick come back. Uh, now Sony. Oh. Sony has some stuff. And this is like the most unexpected part of the entire industry news section. Right. It's not about Spider-Man. It's not. We're, we so have surprised. Sony stories that aren't involving Spider-Man. I know. Uh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely insane. Uh, Josh Berman has signed a five-year pact with uh, the Sony, uh, the key Berman and his Osprey Productions at Sony until 2025. So yeah, under the wow. new deal uh, is bringing uh, his former Warner Brothers TV executive Jennifer Robinson to co-run his production company with him and uh, to serve as VP Drama Development. Uh, she served as VP Drama Development yeah. at Warner Brothers TV. So, I mean, just trying to make it as best as possible. And dude, like. uh, you just mentioned Manifest getting picked back up. She was one of the masterminds behind Manifest. Oh. I mean, she, Prodigal Son, Riverdale, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Veronica Mars reboot on Hulu. Damn. She, she was responsible for getting a lot of shit on the air while she's she got was, some experience yeah, at WBTV. <laughs> like, so, good pick to help run your company, seriously. bro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Might have to get her on the show. Like, she would be She's great. got ties everywhere. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. Shit. Uh, comedy writer and producer. Brig Munzo uh, <laughs> Lebowitz. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You got Lebowitz, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Brig Munoz. Yeah. Yeah. His credits include <laughs> HBO Max, Love Life, and Pop TV's One Day at a Time has signed a two-year overall deal with Sony Pictures Television. Under new packs, uh, he will develop a, a comedy projects for the studio amid uh, uh, the network and cable and streaming. So, you know, the standard under the those standard deals. Things. You know, so go, look at that, though. Two big moves by Sony that didn't involve Spider-Man. 
Yeah. Congratulations, guys. Right. You finally came out of that rock or under the rock and figured out you have more than just Spider-Man. Getting your shit together. Yeah. Proud of you. And this next one, Netflix is doing some cool things. I will say that. They are innovators. They're trying to figure out ways to stay relevant in wake of all the streaming wars. But I still feel like they're just barely ahead of the game. Like yeah. everybody is on their tails, but I, I still feel like they're just barely ahead. Imagine Impact, uh, the branch of Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's production company, is calling for submissions as part of a big deal with Netflix that will see Impact uh, identify and help develop feature film ideas and sport for specific genres. Yeah. Uh, over the next year, the four, the first four genre specific application windows opens Wednesday, this Wednesday coming up. Um, the first round of projects being considered are large scale ad- action adventure movies for all audiences. Uh, applications will be accepted through July 6th. And uh, I mean, this is just really cool because it's giving the opportunity for up and comers to pitch their ideas. Yeah. And this is the third year they've been doing it and it's been pretty successful for the, for the first couple of years they did it. And, and like you said, that was their whole part was they wanted to democratize if you will be you know the filmmaking for people who didn't normally have a chance to get into the industry that's what ron and brian wanted to do with impact and it's working man and i can't think of a better place to have a partner with than netflix for this kind of a thing exactly who you know the original you know gangster if you will the og with original content yeah so that i mean that, that's good man killing it's it man. really good killing it and netflix is doing some really cool things it's in talks with blackish and black af creator uh Kina Barris, uh, uh, and happy singer, everybody knows, Pharrell, yes. Pharrell Williams, to develop a fink feature-length musical about Juneteenth, the uh, commemoration of the end of slavery in the United States. Which today is. Happy Juneteenth. Yes. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Moving forward, man. Uh I'm just super excited about this because it's more things like the biopic we were talking about, Arthur, like just more things like this need to come out. Yeah, yeah. And apparently this has nothing to do with the musical that the same pair announced in 2018. So they're working on that musical and then this also for Netflix. So I don't know. It's in the early stages, they said. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll probably be talking about it later on, you know, a few months from now as it'll probably be ready, I guess, for next Juneteenth. Yeah. You know, would I, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, heading over to Amazon, uh, Jim Gaffigan uh, sets to record his second Amazon comedy special. And when you think of comedy specials, you normally think of Netflix. But he's over at Amazon doing stuff. And the only reason I wanted to talk about this in the industry news is because he has chosen to do his stand-up specials in Ontario, Canada and Barcelona, Spain. Which is interesting to me because I feel like an American shooting a comedy special... In a foreign country, I feel like the jokes sometimes don't hit as well as they could in America. I mean, with uh, Kevin Hart's Netflix special, I believe he did it in either London or Paris, uh, somewhere over in Europe. And I just feel like the jokes were funny, but the audience just did not understand. Which opens up the question, is Gaffigan going to attack America? Right. Is Are they going to be jokes bashing America yeah. and bashing Trump? Because I feel like that would work in a foreign country that's not so fond right now of yeah. America. But I, I hope not. Because he's a really funny guy, and I, I like him, and I hope that that's not what this is going to turn into. Yeah. So. I mean, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be You can make fun of Trump right here. Exactly. 
Exactly. People are fine with it. People are fine with it. As long as you're not in the South, go to the Midwest or like anywhere. West. Just go West. And the fucking people will agree with you. So it's fine. It's fine. This one, (laughs) by no surprise. Yeah, no shocker here at all. Canceled my subscription, but they're still like, we're still going (laughs) to give it to you until uh, the free trial is done. That's right. Uh, Quibi is in danger of massively, massively missing its first year target of paying subscriber based uh it's slowing app download figures it's absolutely insane quibi is currently on track to miss its subscriber goal for one year for by more than five million yeah damn yeah at its current pace it's going to sign less than two million people up damn in the first like horrible disaster yeah horrible disaster um, they projected almost 10 million 7.5 million and they're not even going to come close yeah and I wonder what could be causing the problems. You know, some stuff. Rumor has it that there's some infighting going on between the the founders, Meg Whitman and and uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. No way. Shocker. No way. Shocker. Doesn't seem like Jeffrey nice Katzenberg guy. in some infighting. Remember Disney? Remember <laughs> Michael Eisner? Remember DreamWorks? SKG? K? You know Katzenberg? I and mean, just this guy's got um. He's got a, a history of uh, like. yeah. yeah, a history. That's a that's a good way to put it. I mean, even with because this next one, they are also in talks to bringing the streaming app to Roku and Amazon, but also they they're in early talks with Roku. And this article even said that it's probably not going to happen because yeah. he's asking for too much. Yeah, and, I mean, why would Roku you have to negotiate and go through all that, and then Quibi fails, and then they're like, you know, out. Yeah. So, like, fuck, I, if I was Roku, I'd say take a walk. You know, exactly. I mean, I mean, it, yeah, it says Roku may walk away from the deal based on the <laughs> on go. the revenue streaming agreement proposed by Quibi. Take so, a walk. Exactly. Say no, pass. Deuces. Know. Oh, my goodness. It's honestly, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I haven't seen anyone be impressed with their content. No. I'm just saying. I no. tried. I tried. I Except tried. your you know, the murder house, murder house flip. I even stopped watching that. I, one. I know they renewed that one for a second season. Yeah, will there even be a second year of Quibi? Yeah. Like I, I don't even like. I don't know. Yeah, is the is this the movie pass of streaming? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know, man. Uh, now this next one is pretty interesting, uh, especially in the time we're in, where it's very important to go out and vote. But Facebook. And Instagram, because, you know, Instagram is owned by Facebook. It's going to let its users turn off all political ads uh, amid criticism over Facebook's policy to uh, non-fact-check political ads. Mm -hmm. I mean, which makes sense because they need to check that shit to make sure everything's right. But also, I feel like if you ignore the problem, it's not going to go away. No, and I I feel like this is them saying... We can't possibly check all these ads to make sure that they're legit news or political ads or not fake stuff from, you know, trying to get you to do whatever. So we're just going to let you turn them off. Yeah. <laughs> that way, that's their way of not taking responsibility for maybe some shady ads up there yeah. by just saying, eh, we'll let you turn it off. Yeah. Not our fault if you didn't turn it off and you fell for it. Yeah. I, I feel like that's what they're doing. And which, which is, is crazy like, because, know. like, uh, when they started doing the voters registration thing, they signed up nearly 4 million voters that year. Yeah. So, I, last year. So, I just. I don't know, man. It's a back and forth thing. Mark Zuckerberg, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting, man. It's interesting, but go out and vote. It's important. It's very important because there's a lot of crazy especially shit. Especially this year. Yeah. Especially this year. Please. 
Go out and vote. Yes. And not just in November. All your local elections. That matters. City, you know, city council, mayor, police chief, like all of your local shit, not just state, your city, your town, count, all of it, vote. Yeah. Vote. Yeah. We also have a lot of things going on. Everybody knows we have podcast production company and other family stuff, but you still got to do your research and start at the local level. So yep. it's important, man. It's you very do important. It. You got to do it. And we should mention really quick. If you're wanting to go see movies again, AMC and Regal, the two biggest you know movie theater companies in in, in North America, are open in July 10th. Yep. And you gotta wear a mask. Yeah. Now. Be prepared. <laughs> yeah. They said at first no, and then rightfully so, they took some shit, a yeah. lot of heat. You will have to wear masks, and if you forget yours, don't worry. They're going to have disposable masks available for you. So just wanted to throw that out there if you're excited about getting back to the movies because you brought up MoviePass. And so yeah. you know we're Regal Unlimited, guys. Yes. So we've got our card, and we've been missing the movies, so we're pretty excited about this. But you got to be smart. Distance, bring the sanitizer, wear the mask. Nothing wrong with wearing the fucking mask. No. Just wear the mask. Exactly. All right. Exactly. <laughs> well, now it is time for the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jerry Ying, the creator of Quarantine. Yes. So super excited. This man is such a entrepreneur, man, in the best way of the word. Like, this guy as a writer, director, producer, actor. Like, he's everywhere doing his thing and, like, also creating his own, like, company to help other creators do their thing that's it yeah the mission of his company is fantastic and he talks about that and of course he talks about quarantine of course hello of course so just this is a really inspiring one guys this is really informative it's a lot of fun but i i I think you're going to take a lot away from this interview so i'm excited for everybody to hear it yep it's going to be a fun one and here he is Jerry Ying, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you? Oh, man, guys, I'm great, man. Really, really happy to be here with you both. Oh, dude, we're so excited to talk to you, man. The fans and our listeners, they absolutely love the show. Yeah, man, dude, you got a high bar, though, buddy. That We've had some good interviews. So. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you go. Well, first of all, we should say congratulations, man. Yeah. I mean, it's been a huge success, and just the ingenuity and the creativity to put something out there like that through quarantine has just been amazing. Amazing, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, I really love that you guys respond to the show and the people who watch it. Uh, it's it's really been a pleasure. It, it makes all the work worth it. Oh yeah, I bet. And and let's talk about that, man. The, the you we should say you are executive producer, director, writer, creator. You're, you're kind of like the man behind it all, right? Um, I'm the garbage man. <laughs> I'm, everything. I'm catering. I'm all of it. There, there you go. go. Craft services. You got to always have that on the resume somewhere. Uh, <laughs> this this has all been a ruse just to not have to feed people and do work from my house. There you go. That's hilarious. Let's talk about it, man. Where did the idea come from? Did I mean did this just spring up from being in quarantine or how did it all come together dude totally i mean sort of the 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 pseudo long version of it is so for three and a half four years i've been either producing or directing everyone else's stuff through my company hero la right and like i've been getting this itch to like man just you know this four or five years ago i did a series called we are fathers Mm -hmm. and that was my first series from being an actor into writing directing producing and that kind of launched me into everything that allowed me to open and start hero la and so, like, I just kind of began that creative itch, you know what I mean? And then we hit quarantine. <laughs> and, dude, I was crushing quarantine in the beginning. I mean, yeah. I was like, in my life, I had never hit, you know, family, work, and friends at the same time. It's either, like, only two or one at right. any given time. But I was working during the day. We were 
we were like committed at hero to like really work during this whole thing and just mm-hmm. sort of like push forward and i was cooking every meal for my family and i was zooming and drinking every night i feel like an early happy hour zoom drink <laughs> so we were i was having a great time and at the same time i was like thinking i want to shoot something and so just prior to the lockdown i was already like trying to spin ideas about man how can we shoot you know this sort of thing i wanted to do in a soap opera vibe where not a soap but sort of one that releases every day a little piece every day right and with each day <laughs> The size of the crew was just in head shrinking. It felt less safe and less safe. <laughs> yeah. So I got to the point where just me, it, it whittled down from like a 10-person crew with Alexa minis to just me holding an iPhone. Right. And then, but it didn't feel, as a producer, it was like, it didn't feel safe. I couldn't even ask two actors to walk down a street together or yeah. for me to sit in a car, even if they were friends. It didn't feel right to go into their world. It didn't feel right to bring that back into my house with my family. And then I was like, why don't I just do something on Zoom? There you go. And I was having a great time connecting with all my friends and realizing it, you know, FaceTime used to be like a vibe for the most select circle. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, don't FaceTime me, dude. Come on, just text me. And all of a sudden... (laughs) We, I was connecting with a ton of people. And so that's kind of where the idea spun around. And the next level of that was just making up stories. It, mm-hmm. it all felt like I was just making up stories, was going to do like a hot young group of people, but it just felt like make-believe. And it wasn't until I tied it to an out-of-work soap cast where mm-hmm. it all came together and we were able to get different ages and all that. And that's basically the first call was dispenser. And that just totally mobilized the whole show and made oh, yeah. me see the show for what it was. Absolutely. Yeah, Spencer, you, you know, if you got Spencer on board, the, the guy is just, as he says, delicious. Uh, Dude, <laughs> you know, if just... you can get a hold of his phone, you can reach anyone in Hollywood. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <Like, laughs> there's been, not been one person I've asked for that he's like, I'll call him right now. That's what we 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 make that joke all the time. He's got to be the most connected guy we have ever yeah, met. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I mean <laughs> he's a beloved beloved person in hollywood you know he's had a long career he's multi-generational in terms of the industry and just a wonderful dude yeah wonderful absolutely dude. man we yeah that's like, like I said dude we've we've known him for a while now and we'd do anything for him man. he's just a great guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, okay so spencer, he does <laughs> so spencer's the first phone call and then uh i guess uh spencer brought in jeremy is that right for the casting well, Spencer brought in Jeremy after about a few phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as anything that starts with an idea, it starts escalating. And anyone that does it professionally starts thinking, what do we need to do right. this the right way? Right. Yep. So, like, the first decision was, let's go full union. And then once you go full union, it's, I mean, if you guys don't know, casting on the legit level is a ton of work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a ton of paperwork. It's a beast. And you don't want that on your plate. And so it was an obvious sort of yes. And they happened to be producing partners. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it worked out for, yeah, it worked out great. We've been, we've been, a, a, we have, a, we have a couple co-producers, uh, Ari and Sam and Tim, my other partners from Hero, and uh, but I mean, this producing team has been crushing it. They, oh, everyone's been working for free. All of us, everyone on the show for free. That's um, amazing. But yeah, 
I'm glad right. you brought it up, though, because, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are trying to break into the industry. And one of the things that we really enjoy talking to people about is giving them a piece of stuff they might not know and, and bringing up the fact of how hard casting actually is. I think a lot of people just think you make a phone call and they go, OK, and, you know, and there they are. And it's like not even close. Yeah. And plus, I feel like no. people think about when they think about casting, they think about the old time like cattle calls. Everybody goes into like this audition room and just auditions for people. I feel like it's not like that anymore, especially with the self-tape method especially now i feel like it's gonna go more towards that while this oh thing's yeah going on yeah dude I, i'm done driving around town yeah <laughs> i've been done driving around town for auditions for a while um but yeah i mean nothing's gonna be the same once we come out of this but i mean you also can't really substitute in live person right uh, auditioning yeah and true. working with the, working with adjustments and, mm-hmm. and all that that's my dog <laughs> what up papa <laughs> making an appearance exactly that's, uh, that's billy jean ying hey nice. i like it nice i, like I it. love it oh man but i want to talk about the the process a little bit um what's the editing like so is there just like five people on a zoom conference and then when it gets into the editing booth do you just like cut out a few squares to make it one scene or what's that like there's all sorts of well first of all we have a world-class editor His there we go johan yeah johannes Yoing okay is just one of the best in the biz okay it's really just me but that's my name i've never taken an editing credit on anything i've done I put my name through the John Travolta fire. There you go. And it came back with this Dutch name, and I loved it. So Johannes Joing is me. That's nice. I love it. (laughs) Brilliant. But the the process is – it's a lot more complicated than you think. I mean, first of all, that's another thing. Editing, if anyone – and I suggest for any filmmaker uh, or – first-time filmmaker to just edit your stuff right early on so you understand the product i mean i suggest you do every department once yeah, so that you know the level of workload you're demanding and uh what it takes to make that happen but yeah. um the editing is yeah we record we have four cameras going usually sometimes five and by cameras i mean my partners on the computers hitting zoom mm-hmm. we all sort of gather 15 20 minutes beforehand we do camera assignments Sometimes people are being pinned. The grid is the most important one. Mm-hmm. Like visually, we try to stay in that language, but sometimes just to change up the visuals, well, I'll mix it up. And then therefore you're just in like Premiere Pro doing multiple timelines of the same take, right. cropping in, moving, shifting up, shifting down, yeah. and so forth. And yeah, we were messing around with the pin early, but you're getting into a full editing session. And I mean, we're shooting these things. We're basically creating a full 30-minute pilot from scratch in seven days. Absolutely. It's, it's already a lot of work for me. So I just try to simplify it. And uh, it's a lot of the, the other BS stuff, the exporting and the yeah, deliverables. Yeah, stuff that, that stuff. takes forever. Yeah, we do yeah. the same with uh, the podcast <laughs> it, video. And it takes yeah. fucking you know, forever. You know. Yeah. Absolutely, man. <laughs> and then, and uh, I'm not a... <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. And, you know, it's uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a total shit show in the beginning. Yeah. I figure out the workflow with uh, uploading and downloading to the cloud and all that stuff on yeah 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 that's the least favorite part it it gets to be a lot man but uh the actors were talking about how the as the process continued to move forward and the amount of weeks that they put in like um it's 
concise it's consolidated the time of uh like actually acting f- on the zoom on zoom i <laughs> the zoom. Yeah, yeah, now you're alicia yeah i was about to ask has the work like consolidated for you or is it uh, still the same amount of work it's a never ending amount of work yeah it's still 12 hour days but the workflow is streamlined like from a production standpoint my entire mission was to make it as easy as possible for everyone by week. Yeah. Right. You know, and early on in this process, it was just a constant reminder to everyone, especially on the production side, like all that matters is we get better the next week. Yeah. As we're, as long as we're improving and morale is still moving. And it's so important on projects like this, especially when no one's getting paid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, if people are getting paid. Everyone is not, you know, we need you this time, Fridays and Saturdays, and that's it. You're working on those days. You're paid for the eight hours that we have you. But right. when it's free, and you know, everyone in this pandemic seems to be busier than they've ever been, and it's a lot to ask. So it's almost like asking someone to like take a break from their vacation, right? Take yeah. a, a yeah. conference call. So as long as you're moving in the right direction, people have faith that you have their best interests in mind, and you're not taking it their time for granted yeah then that's all we could ask and that's all we were striving for so i've heard from some of the actors that it's so much more streamlined now and that's music to my ears we're more streamlined from writer's room to producers to execution but there's still a never-ending amount of work no, oh, I can imagine. And we got, we got to tell you, listen, a, a, after interviewing a bunch of the cast, we can we can wholeheartedly tell you and genuinely so that they love what they're doing. They love being a part of this. They they love how it's all come together. So the passion that they have for the project is genuine and I think that goes a lot to with what you were just saying because I feel like it's very important especially when working for free that 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 respect level is there and that you're you're trying your very best to accommodate everything in a way that makes it comfortable for them to do it and I can tell you man, they really appreciate how you've brought it all together, dude. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's music to my ears, man. Music to my ears and when they say we look forward to Friday and Saturdays, uh, that's music to my ears. And now some of them are are bummed that we're ending because yeah. it's kind of been something we've all had to look forward to. I'm not bummed it's ending. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also think that this is the beginning. You know, yeah. we're about to move to the more fun phase, which is sort of marketing the show. Right. This has just sort of been like. Yeah, we've been in production, and uh, now I'm ready to move to the next phase with a completed show and try to get the message out there, which the other thing is, you know, we've done this, I'm sure, and I think I remember Spencer mentioned it, but the real impetus was to raise awareness for what the sag After Foundation right, is doing. Right, and And to keep that always as our beacon. Um, and so that's why everyone came in for free. Mm-hmm. And not only that, unprecedented, every agent and manager – gave us their talents, their clients for free. Oh, wow. Um, like, without a fight, without a negotiation, um, everyone just handed over the cl- We were like, no money for you, no money for them. Are you? <laughs> it's like, is that That's good? incredible, is that man. Yeah. That's absolutely all incredible. All the way to our guest stars. All the way to our incredible guest stars. Wow. Everyone gave us their time. And so it was definitely our duty to make it as enjoyable for them. That's oh, possible. that's fantastic. I, I have a few questions. One, uh, yeah. we, we're just absolutely blown away by the guided improv. Yeah. Was that always the plan or did you intentionally like or did you start it, out, I guess, to have it scripted and then it kind of became this guided improv? No, I hate writing. Although I do. <laughs> I, I, it. It, nothing actually the whole turn in my career was because i was like i had written that show we are fathers totally scripted and that took me into literary and next thing you know like 
we were a paradigm and mm-hmm. entitled and and then all of a sudden I was writing pilots for TV and right. honestly it was the only it was like having homework. Yeah. It was the only two years of my life that I felt stressed. And I just was like when I did this, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna bring that into my pandemic. It's already stressful enough. Um, <laughs> I love shows like Curb. Right. You know, I love shows like and tonally like Arrested Development and you know, just I wanted to just give beats and I wanted to get the right actors to come in to play. You know, some of them I knew, some I had never met, but the the idea of being able to play was so important. And then, you know, we get one hour with each scene. Yeah. And it's a lot. You come in, you you ground yourself for a little bit, say what's up, you block. There is blocking. You know, we don't mess with production design. Sometimes we'll just say like and it's usually Nate, different hat Nate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> different bandana. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Outside of that, you settle in, we talk about the beats, and then we do a dirty run-through. Yeah. And there's different elements. Like like theater, we aim for a time. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that was at 4.30, guys. Let's, this needs to be about 3.30. So that's all the real direction you need. And then you just start clipping off the extra lines they're throwing in, making sure they hit the jokes, pushing the storyline along. And it's and then you find your rhythm. Yeah. I'm sort of uh, sorry, my yard person's here now. Like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're good. You hear? Yeah. You guys hear? <laughs> um, so that's kind of the whole process. Um, yeah. It happens very quickly. And I got to say, I feel like we don't have a dud scene in the season. Everyone, yeah. it's a testament to their talent and yeah. their sense of humor. Oh, yeah, dude. It's uh, The cast is absolutely brilliant. The way that the chemistry that they have and the way that they interact with yeah. each other. And yeah. we, we talk about this all the time, but the, the realism of, of the of the characters is just unreal. The, the facial expressions or how they react to the certain situation, we, we, we're like, absolutely, this is exactly how this guy would say or how he would do it. And, and it, yeah, it's just been unbelievable. And another thing that we really like that you guys are doing is while this is entertainment and it's entertaining to watch and you guys are having a good time and that's all evident you're also have situations that are happening in real life to people going through the quarantine you guys are showing real life situations that people are going through we think that's why it's so relatable i think that's why it's caught on so well with so many people that are watching it is because they can identify and say yeah i'm going through that or i know somebody that's going through that yeah i mean you know it was funny because when we started this thing you know you have a lot of discussions and one of them was let's the original idea was let's take this a week back or two back from the beginning of the quarantine when Mayor Garcetti started the lockdown. That was day one. Right. And we were going to take <laughs> naively. I thought maybe we'd be out of this in six weeks. We'll just take it to the end <laughs> right. until they're out of the quarantine and we'll end the show then. And so, you know, one of the things we were always saying was like, look, the stories are writing themselves. Yeah. All the conversations we're having with each other, everything we're experiencing is what the show is about. So like, we also didn't know where the show was going. We didn't know where the pandemic was going, but the stories are all there. Like, you know, someone, the addictions, the, uh, someone like the boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, um, uh, McKenna and JT not going to see each other. And then from right. that, looking to find where the comedy is, where's the comedy in all these circumstances, like where do we laugh when we have our conversations about it? And so that's where we were trying to aim for for each scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, and rumor has it that that some of these characters are inspired by uh, real life people. Uh, yeah, they're inspired by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, where's the name I mean, come from, man? Holiday, because that's a brilliant name, Holiday. Oh, so that was such a fun part. Like, there's been so many little fun processes, like. 
when you think of a soap, and here's the funny thing: my first TV credit as an actor ever was on All My Children. Yeah, oh, okay. and I did. Yeah, I did two episodes on All My Children, and was like blown away at the craziness of it. And then uh, Alicia, who you guys spoke to, I've known all the way back to drama school, and. She basically got all my children like within the year after drama school. So I remember that whole process. And then she's been on the show until it was finally taken off the air. Right. Um, but I mean, all the, the, what are we back on? The names? Yeah. Oh, holiday. Right. So, holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so then once you, so that inspired the whole, like, you need a matriarch, you need a patriarch. Right. Um, and so once you laid out the family tree, you're like, I need this, I need this. And then you're like trying to make it funny, like, okay, adopted Asian here okay, this is the only natural born kid here. This is the nemesis. And then, you know, we had to find a name for the show. And I literally just Googled California towns and <laughs> we were running through them and just saying them out loud. And whatever made us laugh was the one we went with. And I'm so glad we went with Chino Hills. Yeah, that was yeah, it's my brilliant. favorite. Yeah. Brilliant for sure. And uh, yeah, we love, I mean, uh, just Spencer and Alicia together as the patriarch and matriarch are just fantastic. Yeah. Agreed. So good. So good. You know, part of the premise was also create this world and create this alter universe. And I think that happened as the show was going on. Chino Hills is a real thing now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and these people like the holidays, the sun, the boys, the girls, the this and that, like, you know, and the hope is eventually there's a, a, a universe where there's a single camera version of this, but mm -hmm. it's the workplace environment and it's built around Chino Hills. Yeah, that's you know, what that's what we were talking about with the actors that came on, like possibly one day having it be an actual like I think it would be great on a streaming service and then to keep kind of the Zoom theme alive, maybe they could go home and talk a like talk crap about each other on zoom about what happened that day on set because like you said like it'd be like a um a friend's days of our lives type thing joey when freaking i think all that yeah. would be great yeah i mean i think for certain any version of this show that moves forward will have this this zoom sort of communication just, yeah there's something so unique about it just like that fourth wall acting um, yep you know everyone is looking out at the screen but they're totally connected and there's something really fun that's come out of all this you know what i mean just see how you said how how naturally they react you know and part of that is also because they're using their own words absolutely you know we don't give them lines but we give them sometimes turns there's no real setup and joke yeah. but there are circumstantial setups like if we do this and you set this up and you guys react this way that would be the funny. Yeah, and I, I love how all of them also said that. It's almost like a breath of fresh air to get that creative freedom for their characters because, I mean, going into any other role, like, they probably have to stick to the pages, stick to the script. But with this, they can just come up with whatever, whatever they want to. So it's like they're, they're kind of their own producing team as well for their characters. It's super collaborative, and the lengths that some of our actors go to to participate is incredible. Like, oh, yeah. If like, you ever see some of JT's BTS, like, <laughs> he's got his, it's like he's like a four-man genie yeah. on himself. I believe um, that. I, uh, I totally believe that. Yeah, yeah. and we talked about uh, Ryan and then them being like method actors with the popsicles and <laughs> oh, bananas. <laughs> well, you know, that was such an important part of this show also was that you know, we had to have a couple of the actors that were couples. Yeah. Right. So that we weren't just all individually in our own box and we can sort of have that ability to escape and show more than what happens. And uh, Jin and Adrian, Jin I've known, he was one of the actors in We Are Fathers and, and Creators. And then Ryan and Ella, I've known Ryan all the way back to New York days. And then Ryan and Ella, we were in drama class together like oh, nice. six years ago at Arthur Mendoza and and uh, they had a kid. So, you know, you work all these sure. sort of things in. Oh, yeah. And the kid popping up in the background is priceless. Yeah, I mean, yeah singing Hakuna Matata. Yeah, Noah. 
he's he's going to be a lady killer, that one. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, he's he's got some some parents that are going to guide him in a very interesting way. Let's trust us. Yeah, he's got some decent genes he's working with. Yeah, he's he's in good shape. (laughs) So you talked about the marketing aspect being next. Um, And we we know from speaking with the cast, they all want to move forward with Chino Hills. They all think this idea of actually doing the soap opera, you know, and seeing it. I I envision it kind of like a sports night or, you know, where you see Chino Hills and then you see it off of set type thing, you know, of the, of these real actors. Yes. Um, so what, what is the marketing plan? What, what are you guys trying to do to attack well, it? Are, are you, are you looking at streamers or what's the, what's the goal? We are going to be probably going to the streamers first. Um, but let me get one thing straight. I am, I do not want to make a soap opera. I do not yeah, no. want to <laughs> five days a week no. for 50 weeks a year. Yeah. Yeah. But it is more the workplace environment. Like you're saying, like sports night. Um, right. And plus we've established the relationship so well and the characters off of Chino Hill so well already, it's sort of like a little secret weapon that it's more fascinating about what's happening off of set. Exactly. And in and off. But then, you know, there were a couple, I'm not going to lie, there's a couple times where you play off of the drama and you do the soap and it's so fun. Right. Like, I mean, there was a great doc that Alicia turned me on to an ABC the other night called Soaps. Really well done. Two and a half, like sort of two and a half hour elevated doc walked you through the history of it mm-hmm. and you see how a lot of the hour longs all come from that right the evening the drama the cliffhangers all that stuff you know there's yeah. a world where it could be an hour-long evening soap but there's also a world where it's a single camera um half hour you know what i mean absolutely man we look we had the pleasure of talking to eric braden there old victor newman from the young and the restless and and yeah mm. he talks about how intense it actually is and all the stuff that goes on and all the stuff that goes into it and that what it inspires or and and sets forth into the industry and yeah it's an absolutely amazing you know thing to hear about what goes on in there so look the, man the idea of having you guys do a show about the inner workings of it and seeing how it affects these people just sounds brilliant yeah the all the respect we are making a, a show about an out of work soapcast um but for real all the respect to people that work in that industry they are the hardest workers in the biz you know i had my first hand look at how fast they move mm-hmm. how many pages they have to memorize a day how relentless it is in terms of scheduling um i have so much respect for them and in, at the end of the day in this town you know when you're young you come in with sort of all this these ideas but at the end of the day it's always just about working right um you just want to be working in this town in one shape or form i think marty is the best example of that yes, <laughs> without <laughs> you, doubt you guys said something so funny in the, in the podcast about like marty will do whatever it takes to stay on that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That was our theory. He's often people. He's going to be like, I am on this show. I will become the youngest if it, no matter what. Like, you know. Yeah. Spin off, <laughs> spin off, spin. Right now, I've counted seven spin offs that Spencer's pitched me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If any of them involve the lotion in his legs, man, pass. Pass, pass. hard. Like, <laughs> uh, that, that one was a hard pass. Yeah, uh, there you go. We, we knew you were smart. It's good. We love Spencer, but come on now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, look, man, we love Marty though. The the character of Marty, this Marty. whole when when she calls when she says call me, you know, or calls him daddy, and he's like, yeah. what? And and oh, dude, that was one of the best scenes ever. Dude, Brie Turner, she is one hell of an actress. Didn't yeah, tell you, my God. But Spencer's reactions, and we drag like talk about dragging a character through the mud, and all the kudos to Spencer for letting us do it. Because <laughs> poor Marty, man. We were making the joke what that Marty's just looking for love, yeah, man. Like, he's just he wants some he, love, he's man. Trying to find somebody. <laughs> he is, but you know what, boys? Like 
every character on this show is really just looking to, to find some love. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much all of them. And that's sort of, I feel like, the world. Everyone in this world is just really looking to be loved. Um, and so we want to bring this whole show home. You know, it's about family. It's about love. It's about friendship at the end of the day. Um, and like a crazy dysfunctional family, these guys are mean to each other. They're selfish, but they don't hold grudges. And uh, we're going to tie up all the loose ends coming home. And uh, yeah. Oh, that's be good because that was a question. Like, uh, are there any plans for, like, say, um, you know, that you? I know you guys are going aggressively after the streamers and trying to get this thing. Are there plans for a second season? Look, they've each had arcs that we talked about in the beginning mm-hmm. that we talked to the actors about, and I feel like we've tied up every loose end. Whether those ends stay tied, <laughs> easily be unraveled. <laughs> Or it moves into a different phase, you know what I mean? But I also think there's a level of comedy. There's the show, and we certainly want a season two. Right. But there's also a a way of working and a a tone of comedy that is pitchable. In terms of, if you like this version of, you know, we always said from the beginning, the comedy's got to live just longer than what's comfortable for television and shorter than reality TV. There's Mm. a space there. And that's where we wanted to park our bus. And we knew it was going to be tough to try to chase jokes and chase things. And then when I saw, just before we were about to start shooting, SNL did their first uh, live live show. Right, right. And I saw half of those skits fail miserably. And these are like amazing comedians and stars and recognizable names. I'm like, if we try to do that, we'll fail. Yeah. Let's stay in our lane. And I said, at the end of the day, if people vibe with it or not, if we stay consistent with our tone, we'll have done something that we can present. Right. There is a consistent tone throughout the show of the type of comedy and the realism in terms of the conversation. There, there really is, and I, and I think uh, Alicia said it best when we were talking about the scene with the with the lotion in the legs about it's just crazy <laughs> enough, you know, like because I, I think what you just said, like chase the comedy up to the point, but not crossing where it's now reality TV kind right. of bullshit. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think that scene's a perfect example. It's like how far can you take this, you know, before it gets just ridiculously too crazy. And that scene, I mean, we, we it's just brilliant, dude. It, it was so funny to watch. Oh, my God. That scene was very disturbing to watch. But also, <laughs> like, I mean, there was a couple versions of that scene where, like, okay, that's too far. That yeah. Too much. And Nate was, like, full, the whole idea was, like, you know, those, he was, like, it was almost like he was in a booth that he put a quarter into. Right. But, we all, we, but you know, we also have to protect our actors constantly. Like, there's so many things guiding us. Um, Jeremy is really helpful in, like, making sure that, you know, we're also, we're partnering with the SAG After Foundation. Right. There are people that are hurting out there in the world with, with um, the corona and the COVID-19. And we don't want to be making fun of that. Right. You know what I mean? And early on, it, you know, th- those are some some... A lot of jokes can be going that way, but it's really not the tone we wanted. And so we always have someone there. And Jeremy's always right in Video Village, um, ready to say that's he'll come on and he'll just shake his head and like, guys, let's not go down there. Because, you know, comedy can go once you start. Once you start going, you start whipping up jokes, and you you, you clearly could take it too far. You really right, absolutely to be watching you. Yeah, you know <laughs> that's funny. So Jeremy, Jeremy's the censor guy. He's like, no, 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 gotta keep it clean. Like, calm down. <laughs> Jeremy is the all caps highlighter guy on my emails. There you like, go. Don't do this. That not that. But it, it's so important. And you know what? This whole thing has been like a microcosm of really show running and bringing a TV show to series. You know, all the deals had to be honored. You know, we, no one could leave their homes. You know, what I mean, no, everyone had to honor the deal so that we could be clean if there was ever going to be a sale of this or a future deal. Right. So all of that was sort of done. And, you know, the reality is you do get a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. It's either legal 
or the studio or a, a producer or someone, you know, there's a lot of no's that come at you. And I would say my biggest growth during this whole process is just swapping the hats because I wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. The director, the writer, the, the, Johannes is his own thing. He's fine. Right. But then there's me <laughs> who's the producer. <laughs> there's me who's the producer. And, you know, when the notes are coming, it's, it's, it's very easy. I feel like the artist is getting bombarded. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets a little hairy. So like early on, I just realized to just switch to my producer hat and it's all about solutions. Okay, how do we work around it? And then we go back and I'll work with Shari, who's my writing partner on this in the writer's room, and we'll find a workaround. And it's always seems like, oh, that was so funny. How are we going to do better than that? And then you find a workaround. Right. There's always a way around if you're just be creative and let go of the past. Just let go of what was lost and find a different way around. Uh, again, so it's uh, been good. Again, a really, really interesting topic to bring up for for the for the listeners out there that are trying to get in. Because Logan and I talk about this challenge every day about when you when you're attempting to balance both being the suit and the creative. It can get mm-hmm. difficult sometimes. It, it can oh, get yeah. really difficult. Like one or the other is killing the process of, of the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because it is it is a difficult process when you try to balance both and you and you really have to, like you said, find that go around. Find a way to not cramp the creativity but then also be able to deal with what you need to as a suit on the producing side of it and all the things. It's it's difficult, man. It's really difficult. I mean you've you got the business. You have the creative we have less of the production here because you don't really have the crews and right, all that sort of stuff right. going on in the field, the logistics of production. But then you also have people management. Yep. Everyone is an individual person and every actor, uh, I have a different relationship with each actor and I have a different relationship with each producer. Everyone has, as long as everyone's goals are the same, we want to make the best show. Right. And that's kind of what I always have to go back to is you, the ego has to be gone. We all have an ego, but you really have to check it constantly and just ask yourself what's best for the show mm-hmm. you know um you have you know a, a talent or someone who's not happy i'd rather take a hit on what i'm thinking the show is and have a, a, an individual who still feels totally valuable mm-hmm. and who's still contributing in a lot of ways and also that their ideas are there you know what i mean at the end of the day i go with what the best ideas are always but more importantly, you want motivated, happy people so that they can be the best they can be, you know, especially with artists. You need people who feel safe. And so you want to keep it a safe environment where you're listening to them. And early on, you know, to Jeremy and Spencer's credit, you know, they had to sit me down once or twice and be like, you're not listening. You know? <laughs> right. and, and I can, I can see me, that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some brown liquor involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Late night zooms and then a lot of love views by the end. There you go. That's part of being open and trust, and also knowing that we're all in this together. And also, then also having this other fourth eye of like, we're all in a quarantine. Mm-hmm, you right. know, it's all heightened a little bit. Everything's a little heightened and um, dial it back. But we had those conversations early. And, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit of reminded me, like, as first time directors are, they try to do everything. Right. And so this was sort of first time truly show running on this level of a production as opposed to producing a feature or a commercial or directing something. This was like all the elements. You know, as far as TV goes, I've only been in front of the camera, like right. real right. network television. I've only been in front of the camera. This was my first full foray into what the machine is like on the other side. And uh, it was good. It's all worked out wonderfully. Well, we, I think... We, 
I think you have a really good understanding of the process and how to do it. You know, you're talking about because the relationships that you have to build with being a people person. You know, Joanna mentioned it. It's like, you know, one of the top priorities for anybody trying to get be nice, be nice to people yeah. because people talk in this industry. And if you're not nice and what, what did she, I think her direct oh, yeah. words are like nobody wants to work with a dick. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like oh, that's so, life, but that's a life lesson. Yeah. Exactly. Don't be a dick. You know exactly. What I mean? Exactly. Um, and I also like how you said, you know, learn a little bit of every aspect so that you can have an appreciation as to how hard these people work at what they do. Because I, I think, you know, if to be a showrunner, to be a director, you know, in that aspect, if you don't know what these people do, how on earth can you possibly tell them, you know, that they're doing something right or wrong? So I think that yeah. your entire approach on how you're doing everything is just spot on. I think that's why it's working so well for you. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been blessed to, you know, not only have a 20 plus year career as an actor and been to have the last four or five years of producing and business and it's almost come full circle when i did we are fathers i had no idea it was just a creative endeavor right and and now it's more of a proper endeavor which brings everyone's confidence like we're also made mind into business and we're minding the bigger picture constantly and not just we got to get this done we got to get this done we got to get this done you know what i mean there's there's so many so much of it that's involved when you're doing something like this. Absolutely. So talk about Hero LA a little bit, because you've mentioned it a few times and everything. Talk about that, how that got started, and what the mission is there, because I really like what you had to say about your mission and what you want to do with this company. Oh, Hero, yeah. Um, So Hero came, I had that one day where I literally asked myself, because I was writing, I was writing pilots for TV and pitching them, and but I asked myself, and I was stressed, as I said, it's right. homework. I asked myself, what's my goal? My goal at the time was to be staffed on a show, crush the writer's room for two, three years, and then show run. And then when I realized, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 10x deeper in the shit and <laughs> the stress, I literally the next day called my, my agents and managers and said, I'm not writing anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going in a different direction. But I also told them, we're going to find a way to work together in a different way. I'll be back. Don't there you worry go. about it. And uh, at the time I was brought into, there was a show that needed a director to come in to bring it home. It was kind of a mess. And I met my first partner there, Tim, um, and we just connected. And then he was working with Sam, my other partner. And then the three of us just got to it, man. We were shooting brands. We were shooting anything we could to sort of get the website going. And then once we had that, then we rolled in my fourth partner, Albert Chi, who was Paul Thomas Anderson's co-producer on the master in inherent vice he comes totally oh. from feature side feature side production um he'd been in there for 10 years right and i caught him at the right time he had left paul's world before phantom thread and he had just directed his first feature and so when we brought him in you know at the time i was like i don't have time for scripted we we have enough with the business and growing the branded side um but when i met him i was like i do have time to have someone sort of be the lead on that and i can pivot like mm -hmm. I can spend mm -hmm. three hours with you, go here. I just couldn't have it be this out there hanging as something we want to do. Um, and then I immediately brought in a couple pilots. We did our first feature uh, last year with uh, Melora Walters directed with Mary Servino and Gil Bellows and Jay Moore, like just a really killer cast. Right. And premiered that in Rome. And then that has brought us back to TV and that's opened up the branded side. And we've done some great campaigns there. So it's sort of like we want to have an agency side 
and we want to have a film and TV side. And I, I do a lot of the film production. Like we have a few features right now that we're also, so on top of the work I'm doing here, I'm still pushing the hero work. There you we go. have a few, yeah, we have a few features that we're set enough so that when we get out of this mess that we can crank on. And, uh, and then this is sort of our first, we've done a couple elevated docs. We work with Condé Nast, but this is the first sort of scripted version of TV. And I hope this opens up a lot more business for us on the hero side, but that's, that's hero in a nutshell. We're just, trying to do things right and um story is super important to us we all come from sort of the story side of things um but we've got eight directors now rostered commercial directors rostered wow so that we pitch through our sales reps um yeah i feel like we're we're really ready to take that next big step dude that's yeah. so exciting to yeah. hear, man. i mean like honestly because that's what we're trying to do do you know we're getting into it we kind of same kind of uh, philosophy that you had you know like we what are we doing we keep doing all this other stuff for other people we want to kind of do this for ourselves and kind of mm-hmm. you know and kind of go from it for there and, and just your whole approach on how you built it to where it is now and how you've gotten to be able to succeed where you are it's inspiring dude it's a lot of conversations guys have conversations with anyone that's done that you know i i would sit you know the com- the questions started going from like you know how do you get how do you how did you two build this company how did right. you two build this company it's a lot of business conversations because you need the foundation so like we've always tried to do things from a, as if what we wanted to be 10 years from now from the start even when we were just the three of us we were spending like and they were killing me i'd be like 10 days on a font <laughs> are you kidding me yeah you know but to my partner's credits you know they were keeping us in that space you know and then we were making sure that our business affairs were lined up that everything we were doing was protected and done right from the start. And that's kind of no different than this show. You set it all up at the beginning so that you had the best chance for it to blossom to, so that the sky's the limit. Absolutely, man. You know, so like that focus on the business side and coming from me, who is, you know, businesses in my family, but I had no, I used to like fall asleep in cars, you know, when people start talking about business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that's all I love talking about because fortunately I'm in business but it's super creative and it's exactly what I love to do. And I get to be creative every day, you know, in one shape or form. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that it is a business. As, as fun as it is and, and, and as passionate as it is and you, you do get to be creative and do all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it is a business. And if you don't treat it like a business and build it up from the right way, you're going to fail. Uh, yeah, I talk to people all day. I'm like, I understand that difference. You know, like, I've traversed that process. So I know like there's creative endeavors and they're worthwhile. But then there's like when you're just doing a creative endeavor and you're imagining the business, if you're not doing the business, it's never going to go to that. Like, <laughs> exactly. You, you know, you got to have that vision from day one. And we have a very clear vision of where we want to be. It's a dollar amount valuation, but I won't share that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we completely understand, dude. We, we know. So yeah, we got a lot to talk about off the show. <laughs> I'm here for you, man. I swear I love talking about business. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. man. And we look, dude, I mean, we could not be more happy for you and for the entire – everybody involved, man. It's just – it's fantastic what you guys have been able to do and what you're putting out there. And uh, we could not be more thrilled to have you on the show talking about it. And anything you guys need, man, anything that we can provide for you all, continue to, you know, getting the message out there and getting it out there for you all, just let us know, dude. Yeah, dude. I, I've, I've heard you guys say that. And I'm so appreciative of you for allowing time for our actors to come on, for me to come on and just your enthusiasm and sharing the show, because ultimately the more our show gets out there, the more our main missions gets out there for the SAG after COVID-19 relief fund, Um, you know, because actors need help right now. Um, You know, everyone is suffering and I know there's some a million worthy causes out there. 
but we can only do how we can help. And this is the way that we can help. And, uh, you know, is to be creative and to, to try to help out our artists. You know, I know the foundations helped me out at a moment in my career. And so, and I remember writing in my little note, like, I hope someday to be able to give back. Mm. And, uh, so it's like with incredible pride and joy that we're able to be able to do this for the foundation. Feels so good when you, you write. Guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. And it feels good, doesn't it, when you jot down something that you want to do and you're able to do it? Feels good, doesn't it? Totally. I need to jot more things down. I just saw Jim Carrey <laughs> on the Graham Norton show. He's like, I wrote a check to myself for $10 million and he put a post date on it. And he put it in his wallet. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. I love that. Oh, man. Yeah. Listen, dude, thank you, man. And open invite. Anytime you want to come back, just talk about anything, dude. Uh, you know, past quarantine, any other projects, or just come on and shoot the shit with us, dude. Just open invite, man. Yeah, seriously. For sure, man. I'd love to come back on. You know, we're about to go into phase three with the show, and trust me, there's going to be a lot to, to talk about, and hopefully a lot more to write about, and, and then hopefully more to shoot. So Yeah, that's, that's what we're pulling for, bro. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> nice. All nice. right, keep doing your thing, guys. Keep doing it, man. You guys have something good going on, and uh, and uh, and like you guys, I, l- I listen to your whole podcast, by the way. I'm awesome. not like actors that just read their own parts. <laughs> I listen to the whole podcast, and I love how you know into the business side of the industry you are, and how up you are on all the news and all that stuff. It's it's really a great way. I learned a lot just by listening to you guys. So, oh man, we going. really appreciate that, dude. Yeah, really seriously. appreciate it. So, oh, and what's up, man? You guys have it in for Aunt Becky. <laughs> Come on, man! I was fine for seven days in jail if she would have just owned that shit at the beginning. I mean, totally, you know. dude. I have a daughter. I have a fifteen-year-old, a fourteen-year-old daughter, and yeah, trust me, that was talked about in the circles a lot. But I was listening. You guys were like, dude, they're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to catch us on some rants, bro. We we get going, but you know. <laughs> I loved it. More rants. There you uh, go. Thanks, well, we're going to have to have you come on and, and rant with us exactly. about something. We'll, we'll find it. Exactly. For sure. Oh, <laughs> liquor. All right, man. Listen, take care, bud, and, and we'll be in touch soon. And like I said, dude, anything you need, you just holler at us, man. Copy. Same same to you guys, man. We're here for you, too. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Right, have a good stay one. Stay safe. All right, yeah, you too, man. Take care, guys. All right, bye-bye. Man, oh, man. That guy's inspiring, honestly, to see where it all comes from and listen to his passion about the project. This whole, uh, now I'm a showrunner kind of, a th- you know, and to be able to do it in this kind of an environment and, and to be able to pull it all together is just brilliant. Yeah, seriously, seriously. And especially, you got to find what you like in this business. I mean, there's so many different aspects in the entertainment industry, and you have to find your niche on which parts that you like the most and which parts you succeed at the most because i mean he knew it from like a couple years of writing he was like all right this isn't for me this isn't what i'm passionate about so yeah that's gotta figure it out that's a really good point that you bring up because you've also got to be wise enough to say this isn't for me yeah i feel like some people just get committed and they're like i have to follow through i have to follow but i think it's more important for you to be able to say i don't want to follow through i don't like this so yeah i just yeah his whole approach though about treating people right and making making sure to remember that it's a business and learning all the different aspects so you can be a good people person and showrunner just this guy's got it together man yeah seriously Seriously. Thank you again, Jerry Yang, for coming on the show. All right. Now it is time for the top five segment. And oh, man, oh, man. This one's interesting. It is. (laughs) Because it can fall either way. We tease it on the State of the Company address. This week's top five is top five films that we think have no rewatch value. Right. Right. It could either be good, but... 
at the same time, you wouldn't want to rewatch that shit, or it could be really bad and be like, <laughs> "What the fuck did I just watch?" Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. I, you know, Tootsie would have been one of those for me, but I tried to keep it positive and be like, "Okay, I like these movies, yeah. but I, I just wouldn't watch them again." Yeah. So okay. Yeah. I'm curious though. I, I can't wait to hear what you have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you know, you know, I genuinely kind of liked all of these movies in different aspects, but we'll get into them. We'll get yeah. into them. Uh, <laughs> number five for me is rocket man mm. elton john's uh biopic kind of musical thing uh just honestly because i felt like i understand he had like an extensive like battle with addiction and everything like that but i feel like the musical numbers although were decent and pretty cool I felt like it was kind of, in my opinion, might get some heat from this, might get some heat from all this shit, um, as a, was a lazy way of filmmaking to tell his story. Like, oh. I wanted to see more, like, gritty, like, I, just, I don't know. I wanted more, less singing, but more dialogue, I guess you could say. I wanted more of, like, the pool party incident mm. where he, like, tried to basically commit suicide when right. all of his friends and family were there. So, I mean good i like decently like the movie and i mean it was definitely worth the watch but i don't think i would watch it again mm. Mm. yeah 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 I, I it's a fair argument i yeah. mean i i can see that point of view i i think what the filmmakers were trying to do is just like with the musical sequences is like he was because he's in therapy for anybody who hasn't mm. seen it spoilers but he's like in, he walks into this therapy session totally fucked up like yeah. all fucked up off his rocker yeah and i feel like those musical scenes were like him trapped in his own head yeah and he's like you know uh, and I, I, he's just trying to work it out in his own head which is maybe why there wasn't so outside you know kind of more scenes of outside of that realm it yeah. was just him inside the head working his shit out so I, I get that though i mean i would have liked to have seen a little bit more if you could have found a happy medium between like what they did with bohemian rhapsody and rocket man that would have been really good I think. yeah so. i agree i agree but i mean it was a good movie yeah good movie is still worth the watch if you're gonna go out and see it watch sure it. sure uh my number five 127 hours with mm. james franco mm. I thought it was really intense. It was like, oh my god, you know, it just like but most of the movie is him trapped in that fucking rock. Yeah. Like and you know, and you can like it's great to watch it the first time, but I feel like once you know what happens, yeah. Once you know he survives, once you know he like fucking loses the hand cuz he got to do all the kind of you know, okay. Yeah. yeah. The whole suspense aspect of it is gone and I'm just not going to sit there and watch Franco trapped in a rock yeah. for a two and a half hour yeah, movie again. knowing what happens yeah. that that's my thing it was a really good movie but once you know what happens i think that's it yeah you know yeah so i think that's kind of probably how i feel about a, a drift yeah there when yeah. we watch that one because you know yeah exactly you know that she is spoiler alert again that she's just like uh, imagining him there even right he died yeah that and that's it once you 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 see the twist you know oh he's not really there then why would you watch it again exactly because i mean you know just, just saying. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, my number four. Honestly, love this movie from start almost until finish. I did hated the ending because that's what made me not want to watch it again. 
The Way Back with Ben Affleck, a basketball film. I just didn't like the ending. He should have been there at the state championship and like somebody should have called him or something like that. I know that old boy left a voicemail and I mean I guess that called him. But I wanted some dialogue there. I wanted more of him reflecting that he did some shitty things and with the team and shouldn't have been drinking with the team, but at least go to the game and watch it or something like right, that. So, right. I mean, the ending kind of <laughs> killed I, it for I, me. I, I feel you. I, I, I'm up and down with this one. I kind of want to watch it again just to see if I can find any backstory for the characters. Yeah. Like, I feel like they were just underdeveloped. Yeah. You know, you, you knew all about Ben's character, but the rest of them, they seem like they had some interesting story, but we never learned anything or enough about them. Like the ex-wife or like any yeah, of that. Yeah, because it seemed so, like they were starting to work back like a good relationship. Right. And then like, you don't know. Uh, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I, if it was on, I wouldn't stop for it. Yeah. Put it, put it that way. Yeah. But I, w- I wish they would have developed the characters more. I agree. The, you know. Yeah. Uh, mine is another Franco film. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say I here know, right? with uh, James Franco, but, um, you know, uh, Spring Breakers. You remember that one? Yeah, the yeah. Spring Breakers? Yeah, you do. It's Selena Gomez and, you know. Yeah, that one's weird. Um, that one's weird. It was, in, it was interesting. Yeah. It was a very interesting movie. Um, it, w- it was intense in scenes. It was, like, funny in some sense. I mean, enjoyable the first time. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, unless you just have some like wild fascination with like Selena Gomez and, and you know, all, all the girls in, in bikinis, I, I don't see a point of watching it again. Yeah. Like, meh. So I have to say, yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was different. I thought it was out there, you know, but Vanessa Hutchins, you know, all the, all, you know, it was like, okay, here's this weird look at taking a risk for these girls, these Disney girls or whatever, but. Yeah. Risk taken. Yeah. <laughs> watched. That's it. Done. Yeah. Have you ever seen Spun with uh, Brittany Murphy? Uh, no, I don't think so. Dude, the, this was one that I – I mean it's not on my list but just thinking about it and talking about Spring Breakers. It's basically a house full of like meth heads and they mm. shoot it like you're on meth. So everything oh. is fucking crazy, like really weird, really interesting I guess you could say but definitely not going to watch that one again. Yeah, that's very similar. Spring Breakers, I, I got the feel it was shot for you to fi- kind of like feel like you're there with them. Yeah. Going through the shit. Exactly. And, like, I don't want to be there yeah. with them going through the shit. Yeah, so. and another one that's supposed to make you feel like you're there going with them through the shit, uh, my number three, Lighthouse. Mm. <laughs> William Defoe and Robert Pattinson. From a filmmaking standpoint, the cinematography badass black and white and all the camera shots and like playing with natural light but this was really weird it was like shining times 10 i felt like they were trying to do like we get it just two guys stuck by themselves on a lighthouse the boat doesn't come when it's supposed to because there's a storm so they go a little fucking crazy are there mermaids are there not (laughs) William Defoe jacking <laughs> off, like it. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. Uh, it was yeah. definitely a conversation starter. Uh, halfway through, I didn't want to watch it the first time, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know about the rewatch value. No. I did. I wish I could have not watched it the first time. Yeah, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. I definitely, if it's on, would not watch it no, again. No, no. Mm-hmm. I Robert Pattinson and Willem Defoe are brilliant. Their performances are epic. Yeah, it's not enough to make me watch it again. Yeah, no. 
No, no. Mm. Not, not that the mermaid <laughs> yeah, weird kind of like, no. Yeah, they no. get off too. It's weird. It's weird. Ooh, mine is, is very much along those weird, creepy, out there storylines. Also, my number three, Black Swan mm. with Natalie Portman. Yep. Intense, hardcore uh brilliant drama i just think it was from start to finish you, you're like glued to the screen and you're like wow this is like what am i watching but again another one of those once you know once the secret's out once the whole oh shit moment is is like out there it that's enough for me yeah that's enough for me. That's enough. Um, <laughs> I would, if you've never seen it, I would highly recommend it. It's a really great film, visually, storytelling wise, from a filmmaker standpoint. The performances are all fantastic. The direction is fantastic. But it's again another one of those. Once the oh shit moment is out there, you're like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm not going to sit here and watch this again. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, my number two, uh, taking it back to the old school days, Woody Allen's uh, Manhattan, Young Diane Keaton, and like, mm. let this is another cinematographer. I love cameras. I love shots. So that's that's my thing. Yes. So going back to the cinematography for this film was absolutely beautiful. Like different different types of shots, like where you have the subject in a corner. But then, like, showing the whole room and then the lights only on the subject and just different things like that. But the movie's fucking weird. This guy is, like, 40 years old and he's trying to figure out whether or not he's going to date a 17-year-old or a girl that ha- was with his friend who was married. So like, it's a biopic. Basically. Oh, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth the watch for the first time because I mean, you know, so many film buffs are like, "This is yeah. an amazing movie." This is ma- yeah. Eh, eh, eh. anything with Diane Keaton is worth the watch the first yeah, time for sure. I mean, she's she's especially young Diane Keaton. She's yeah. so phenomenal. So and young Meryl Streep too. Uh, yeah, I should yeah, say that. Yeah. And look, w- w- you know, like him or hate him, Woody is a brilliant filmmaker. He's yeah. just a fucked up dude. He is, but he's a brilliant filmmaker. So agreed. Mm, this next one. This should tell you everything you need to know. My favorite part is when the head smacks into the fucking light pole and, and it kills <laughs> the girl. Was fucking wild. That was like the only moment in the film I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. That was, that was, that was like, yeah. if that particular scene was on the TV, I would stop and watch yeah. it. But that's it. I'm talking about hereditary. You yes. remember that with Tony Collette? Is like that whole. It, I, it, it wasn't scary. It wasn't suspenseful. I wasn't like, oh my god, oh shit. My favorite part's when the girl loses her head in the fucking car. Like, I mean, that's my favorite part. And oh it's the only god. part I would watch again. <laughs> I don't know what that says. I don't know what it says either. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm twisted. Maybe I'm just like, Corona has got to me. I don't know. I don't know but either. if that was on TV, I'd be like, oh wait, shit, there it is. Bam! Alright, move on. All right, go. Move on. Yeah. Big Bang Theory. So, like- rewatch... Just that scene. Yeah. Everything else, no. I know, man. I, I don't know. They were going for like the psychological devil worship shit. It was, nah. Like, and when it, they build it as the first real horror in decades. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. And I mean, even fucking a lot of people were like, oh, this was such a great movie. But literally everyone in our theater walked out saying, what did I just watch? Yeah. Literally. So, and it, that's saying it nicely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Yeah, we needed to put the rated R thing on there for the people walking out. They were like, I just... Yeah. No words for it. Yeah. No enough words. said. Enough said. Uh, my number one. 
might get some heat on this one. I mean, especially from you because you probably would watch it again. But personally, myself, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this shit is so dark. Like, don't even think about it like a superhero movie. It's literally a villain movie, but like... It just personally made me very uncomfortable to be in the mind of this fucked up individual. And I mean, yeah, that's who the character is, but it was great. Oscar winning performance. Go you. I wouldn't watch it again. It made me really uncomfortable. Just saying. I would. Yeah, exactly. I See, would. this is where we're at. I have no idea what, why this what, – what, I don't know. My favorite comic book storyline of the Joker is the killing joke when he like brutally beats and rapes Batgirl and, and shoots her and, you know, like I don't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> – I, I, It's pretty dark. I swear to God I'm like a really lighthearted, nice, I swear, fun guy. I swear. I swear. But those, I don't know. I just thought, same thing with Rocket Man. Yeah. I just feel like Joker was a look inside Arthur Fleck's twisted ass head. Yeah. And at the end, uh, sorry for spoiling it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but you're wondering, was this all imagined? Was he sitting there telling his psychiatrist about this and the whole movie was just made up in his head? You know, they kind of lead that on to you. So I don't know. I just like these like deep looks inside somebody's twisted fractured mind yes i don't know i guess you want to know why the person is the way they are yeah i i I think that's it i I, that's a good way not that i'm like loving violence or loving into this twisted i just like to i'm really interested in how things work and why people think the way they think because i feel like that's the only way you're going to learn to deal with all the shit that's going on in society today is to know why people are the way they are and so there you go makes sense Makes that sense. got deep, real of it. Did. <laughs> it did. All of a sudden, we were in like a psychotherapy session or yeah, something. Right? I don't know. <laughs> uh, my number one, and I'm going to take heat for this one because it was, it was Leo's finally, finally moment where he wins, wins the Oscar. Finally, the Revenant. Yes, so good. I guess. Um, I don't know. It long. It's very long. Yeah. It's a very drawn out story. There are moments when it's like just. What am I watching? Like when he's like literally sleeping inside a buffalo, or you know, uh-huh. um, yes, I said that correctly. Uh-huh. Inside a buffalo to stay warm. Um, it, it's got to be one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen from a filmmaking standpoint. The way it was shot, um, all natural light. Uh, I mean, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And Leo is brilliant, but I, it's just not something I could just like make myself sit and watch more than once yeah i mean not even for the beauty of it not even to just sit and watch it like you know just pure filmmaking standpoint i just couldn't watch it again yeah i mean it was a good film but it's very long it's very drawn out and i don't know i I just not one i would watch again it makes sense makes sense i mean i still need to watch it one time for the one time but uh one that i'm probably not gonna watch is vice because y'all said that was awful it was horrible yeah it was horrible you know another one I, i i'm just gonna say i have never seen I've never seen. I wanted to put this on my list, but I couldn't because I. <laughs> how can I rewatch it if I haven't watched it again? Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, it's one that I've never it. watched. Yeah. I, I don't know how I haven't watched that film yet, but I haven't. And so maybe that'll be next week's top five movies that you've always wanted to watch but haven't but watched haven't, yet. Yeah, 
That, it, that's it, a good one. It is. That's a good one. So that's a thinker right there. That is a we've thinker. We've seen a lot of movies. I know. Like, it's like so. whenever my mom brings me those lists, it's like a hundred movies. Mark, all the ones you've seen, I've got like, like ninety-eight, exactly. ninety-nine of them. Like, like easy. I don't know. Easy. But anyway, guys, tell us your top five films that you think have no rewatch value. We want to know. Be sure to comment below in the description, uh, wherever you're watching this video on YouTube, anywhere. But we just love the fan interaction, and we love you. Yeah, for real. I'm really curious because yeah. I, I always like to know what people will not watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, as filmmakers, we like to know what you wouldn't watch again so that we don't make that. Exactly. Like. <laughs> it's all research. It's, it's all true. research. It's Great true. top five segment. Great top five segment. Yes. But now it is time for the box office recap. Mm. Oh, Man, all two films. All two films. Um, but really, uh, like there, there was some stuff. There was some stuff. Becky came in at number one uh, with around two hundred k. Infamous came in at number two with also around two hundred k. The Wretched at number three with a hundred k. And uh, Max Winslow and the House of Secrets with like less than. Like 100k. Yeah, and so. it was really weird too because for the majority of the week, the Wretched had reclaimed the number one spot. Exactly. You know, it kept bouncing back and forth. So I, I, I don't know. I know. I Things know. are absolutely wild, but like you said, uh, the theaters are reopening soon. So we shall see how that impacts and what will be the first movie to cross a million dollars when we come back. So. I don't know, man. I don't know. July 10th. We'll find out. Yeah, everything's so up in the air. Um, but now it is time for the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Oh, man. We love this app. We do. It's just so amazing. You can track your favorite actors, writers, directors, producers, anything that they are working on in Hollywood or wherever they're filming or creating right now. You can track their process. You can track the box office numbers, even if there aren't any. Uh, I mean, just so much great one-stop shop for industry news. This is literally our Bible. It's true. And it's going to be our interns. Yes. Yes. Exactly. She is going to learn to love this app a whole lot. Oh, yeah. For yes. sure. For sure. Uh, the top trending film slash movie, same thing, uh, this week is 365 Days. This is a Netflix movie, and it looks like another version of um, uh, what's that fucking movie where it's like. Uh, Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. No, was, it's a sex movie, y'all. Yeah, that's what it's I'm trying to say. It's a foreign sex movie, uh, like the Gray movie. The yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah, boom. It's, figured it's, it out. Yeah, it's a sexploitation. It's a lot. Uh, I think it's Polish. I yeah. want to say it's from Poland. Um, but it, it's a straight up sex film. It's a lot. It's like fetishes and like you know, yeah. but it's number one on Netflix. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. So yeah, well, probably would make the list of not rewatching. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Like Roma. Ooh, ooh. Um, now, now the top. I, Roma was going to be on my list, but I never finished never it. Never finished it. So, so definitely never watch it, it again. That's what it is. <laughs> um, the top trending TV show is Thirteen Reasons Why. The new season is now up on Netflix, and apparently, there's a lot of controversy. Uh, in the show, not surrounding the show, but like in the in show. In the show, yeah. So, I mean, seems to be pretty good. I dropped off after season two, I'm just going to say. Yep. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, maybe I'll start watching again. I don't know. 
I don't know. And the top trending star is Ana de Armas, who is Ben Affleck's girl there. Yes. Um, I don't know why she is the top trending star, but, you know, go her. What the, just kind of, I mean, she's basically in everything right yeah. now. I mean, you can find her in like 18 different things on Netflix. Yeah. It's crazy. My, I, I mean, my favorite role of hers, most recent, is Knives Out. I yeah. think she was brilliant in Knives Out. But, yeah, like you said, uh, or she could just be the number one star trending because she's Ben Affleck's girlfriend. Who knows? You know, she's been uh, numerous pictures of her on the back of his bike. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I don't know why that would make you the number one trending star, but, you no. know, she, she's a really damn good actress. Right? So you would hope it's because she's a great actress. And exactly. Not because she's Ben Affleck's girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you for getting crazy with us on episode 117. Holy shit. Woo! It's absolutely insane that it's been going on that long. We got to thank our guest one more time, Jerry Yang, for coming on the show yes. and talking to us about Quarantine TV. Be sure to check out his hit series on IGTV right now. Um, be sure to follow him on social media and follow the company on social media at Crazy Ant Media and follow us both personally on social media. Myself, JLo Fantastic and Crazy Ant Guy 1970. That's right. That's right. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, watch us on YouTube and so much more. Everywhere. We are everywhere. It's true. And be sure to visit our website uh, uh, crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got bags, we got all the good stuff, all the good apparel needs. So uh, yeah, man. Just really appreciate everybody who's purchased a Crazy Ant Media gear item. You all are amazing. And uh, honestly, I have to say, I have to say, uh, the top five was probably... My favorite part mm. in the uh, show this week. And, I mean, of course, NBC, they're doing a lot of cool things as well. They are. So, I mean, that is that, that stuff right well, there. Well, obviously, as a total comic book nerd geek since birth, my, yeah. my favorite stuff talking about was DC. Yeah. And them finally getting it right and all the cool stuff that they're doing, obviously. And because I'm eternally forever 80s. La, 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 I'm super excited about the Smurfs. I thought that was an awesome part of the show, man. I can't wait for the Smurfs to come back. I did have some – I was feeling bad though. All the love for DC, all the stuff. I know. You, you guys notice it's new. Something in front of mine this week. Yeah. You know, Wolvie. Yeah. All right. My all-time, if you guys heard our top five a few weeks ago, my all-time favorite superhero, Wolverine. It wasn't okay. though. Nightwing was. DC superhero. Oh, My yeah. overall all-time favorite superhero, Wolverine. Ah. Wolverine. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, throwing some love out for Hugh Jackman, just for Marvel in general. Like, I felt like there was no Marvel news this yeah. week. So I had to put Wolvie out there, man. Yes. I had to put Wolvie out there. Yes. And you, it, you too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like new school and old school. Because, yeah. I mean, I would say that the statues are kind of old school. And then the and Funkos. Then the Funkos. Yeah. But you got Disney because we didn't have a lot of Disney news. You I got know. a lot of Mickey out there. I did. I did. I mean, well, I wanted to show my gamer Mickey. Exactly. I mean, yeah, which is pretty damn cool. Isn't it? Is like, snap cool. back, turn backwards. He looks really badass. I, You know, <laughs> we're just kind of going off here. But we just watched a Seinfeld episode where this, this girlfriend had, like, this <laughs> yeah. epic toy collection. I feel like that's us. Oh, yeah. For sure. We have so many cool, like, <laughs> statues and toys and funkos and comic books and like we're just kids i know we're just kids i know but we love it exactly exactly you know who else we love <gasps> oh <Oprah! laughs>